This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away. So enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Want to welcome our brand newest affiliate, uh, 94.3 WSC, joining us in Charleston, South Carolina. Yay! Which I'm pretty excited about because, as uh, as you know, Mark, uh, we we started on FM Talk. So we have a, a history in the world of FM. Well, we've got a few FMs out there, but it's always nice to add them. Uh, certainly, it, it appears more people listen to the FM dial than the AM. Well, certainly more younger listeners and female listeners are definitely on the FM dial. That much we know for sure. Uh, so welcome aboard to everybody there in Charleston. You'll be getting the show three hours a night, Saturday nights from here on out from 7 to 10. So uh, continue joining us on to, into the future. In fact, uh, I mentioned that this is the show where you can call in about anything. And I do mean that, but from time to time we sort of break format, if you will, and uh, we bring a guest on board uh, because there are just certain individuals out there that deserve to be talked to and talked about and uh, and uh, have their situation brought forward so you can pay attention and find out what's going on because it's uh, it's very critical that you know who this man is and what's happening to him. His name is Mark Emery, and he is the editor-in-chief of Cannabis Culture Magazine, as well as so doing a whole bunch of other things for the marijuana relegalization movement. Mark, welcome back to Free Talk Live. Well, thank you for having me on. It's great to be on. Well, yeah, it's been uh, it's been way too long since we last had you. I think it's been uh, about a year and a half since you were last on the show. Well, uh, I wish it were longer in one sense, because that would mean, you know, we're not reaching a crisis point, which is uh, where my situation has gotten to to some degree, although... I will tell you, ever since the DEA declared me the number one drug trafficking target in all of Canada, bigger than Hell's Angels and the Triads, and for, <laughs> for sending seeds to consenting Americans of adult age, um, that's my crime. And right. yet, you know, they've, they've, they've put me on the world's you know, top 50 most wanted and called me the number one drug trafficking target. And, you know, and of course, when you add that, though, you know, when you think of what I did, which is send seeds to consenting adults, and then you add that to the five statements within Karen Tandy's press release, on the day I was arrested in July of 2005, where she calls my magazine a propagandist magazine. <laughs> you know, the most highly, you know, endorsed magazine of the culture, cannabis culture, is, I think, you know, has a lot of esteem out there after 14 years. And she mentioned four other times the money I give to drug legalization lobbyist groups and legalization advocates, right? So it was pretty uh, obsessive little press release from the, the director of the DEA, and uh, it was clear that my political activity, all that money we gave away, that was $4 million, uh, certainly had disturbed them because, you know, there's still hundreds of seed vendors in Canada still selling to Americans. Mm-hmm. You know, there's four within a block of my store. And, uh, you know, they're all, they were all doing business the day I was busting. They've been doing business since. And, you know, no one has ever gotten charged in Canada or will be charged, really, uh, and getting any more serious an outcome than a $200 fine, which is what the last person who was convicted in this country was. But the, the federal government, in the form of the DEA, decided to pick on you, Mark. Why do you think that is? Well, because I've been active a long, long time. You know, I first met Ayn Rand just almost 30 years ago. It was 29 years ago in the summer of 1979. And after I read Capitalism, the Unknown Ideal, and then Atlas Shrugged, I just stopped everything. And I decided I was going to rededicate my life to smashing the state and uh, but more importantly to advocating rational capitalism and getting people out of jail who were there for living peaceful honest lifestyles 
that simply broke the taboo set by the you know the government, the state itself. And so that took me to a lot of different things. I've uh, gone to jail to open stores on Sunday, which we were successful in the jurisdiction. I did that eventually. They, within six months of me going to jail, they changed the law. So that was one of those uh, blue laws, if you will, where the government yeah, prohibited yeah. business from one being done Sundays? One Canada still has that. We have one province that still has uh, a prohibition on shopping on Sunday. Bizarre. But common in the entire country, and in my province of Ontario, where I'm from originally, they had that. And, and I went to, I broke the law nine different ways, to each of wow. time, a different way to break the blue laws. <laughs> on some days, you couldn't have a store with more than 500 square feet, and then on other days, you couldn't have more than three employees. So I found every different regulation and broke them all and got wow. charged, refused to pay the fines and went to jail, which was a sobering experience. And uh, so my first jailing out of civil disobedience was in uh, March 1988. So that is amazing, uh, Mark. I had I had no idea about that part of your past, and I oh, happen yeah. to be a huge well, fan of civil disobedience. We, I challenged the obscenity laws. In 1990, they banned a record in Canada, the only time they've ever banned a record. And it was the two live crews as nasty as they want to be. So mm-hmm. we, I didn't even sell it, but we ordered copies from the United States because nobody else in Ontario was going to challenge the law. And we put an ad in the paper, and we invited people to come down, and we invited the police to charge us. And sure enough, the second guy in the lineup was the police undercover man. And Jeez. after we sold out that CD, like the people lined up around the block, the cops came back with a raid looking for any copies we had wow. that we were all out of. And uh, But I lost that one. I, I lose a lot in court. Sometimes the political landscape changes, like Sunday shopping does get legalized. In fact, the reason I got into the marijuana uh, liberation business was because Canada banned all books and magazines about marijuana in 1987. Really? And this went on until 1995 when I finally got it overturned, and it took me five years. I started trying to break the literature ban by selling banned books and magazines about pot in 1990. I even did not so in front of the police station. I can walk over to one of my framed uh, memorabilia pieces here, and it's got me in front of the London, Ontario Police Station on uh, February 23, 1992, giving out copies of High Times and Grow Your Own Stone, 10 feet in front of the police door so that they would absolutely have to charge me, although they managed to dodge it because they realized that it was a clearly unconstitutional law that they could get away with as long as they intimidated corporate people into not doing so. High Times wasn't in Canada for uh, eight years, 1987 to 1995, hmm. and uh, and these sort of things. You couldn't get any grogut, but what became apparent is I couldn't get The Emperor Where It Has No Clothes, which is a famous book on the uh, yeah. conspiracy to prohibit cannabis. And it wasn't allowed into Canada either, and I thought, that's outrageous. So I spent five years breaking that ban, pushing that ban, trying to get charged. And finally, we did when we got charged for giving pamphlets to high school students who were going through. uh, They had police come to the high school in north of Toronto, and they started rounding up all the kids. So we started giving out a pamphlet called 10 Things Every Teacher, Parent, and Student Should Know About Cannabis. And the police actually charged us for giving out this literature under the Banned Literature Act, and that's how we eventually overturned it. And that was in 1995. So uh, we have had a real direct impact on, on the, uh, how this democracy works by, you know, books and magazines are legal in Canada now, and the debate is very lively because of it. And we can say, you know, we had a big hand in changing that law. I'll and say. same with the Sunday shopping law, I had a big hand in changing that in Canada. And so I got, I thought, well, you know, these campaigns seem to take around 
two to five years to achieve results. So I'm really disappointed I have not made pot legal yet in Canada. It's probably uh, the toughest uh, issue that you've ever faced, as a matter of fact. Uh, but you've been at it for a, a number of years, and, and you're not just doing Cannabis Culture Magazine. You've also got uh, Pot TV, which is an online video channel, uh, several YouTube iterations of that. Uh, so there's a lot that you're doing. And one of the things that's really... Four uh, stories now. We're, we are building. I just rented the whole building. So we're going to be four stories all about cannabis and cannabis liberation, and so we have these massive lounges where people uh, use volcanoes, which are uh, <laughs> vaporizers, to consume cannabis, and we're going to have like four of them on the third floor alone. We have one in the main building now. So we're going to ex- have this huge expansion. Even as I face imminent jail and or extradition to the United States, um, which is, you know, something that could happen at any time. So I thought, well, you know what, I'd rather be in the now than think about what's going to happen to me if I get extradited or go to jail or what have you. I'd rather live in the now and keep planning and making projects happen right to the day they drag me away. Good I'm going to go on a farewell tour across Canada, too, before I let them take me anywhere. Yeah, I so. saw that on your website. You're, uh, yeah. you're going to tour around, like, 16 different locations or something yeah. and speak most out. Of those places, well, most of those places in Canada... I've gone on various other tours before. In my summer of legalization tour in 2003, I went to uh, uh, 18 cities, and I smoked a, a bong or a big chonger in front of the police station. <laughs> now, you think, now, you would think that sounds foolish, that sounds provocative, but in reality, the reason it was called the summer of legalization is because courts in a few jurisdictions had said there was no marijuana law, and I believe this was the case. So in order to establish that, I had to go get charged in a variety of jurisdictions, so I could get to court to demonstrate to the court that there was no marijuana law. And what happens is that exactly is what happens. I tour every province and uh, and get arrested and jailed in six of them, in six places, five provinces. And then the other 12, I don't get arrested. And these are jurisdictions where the courts had ruled there was no marijuana I want to find out the rest law. of the story. And also, of course, we're going to catch up to your current uh, day status, where the U.S. federal government is threatening to extradite you uh, back here to possibly spend life in prison for selling a few seeds. We'll come back with all that. Your calls as well from Mark Emery, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, the live Saturday edition of the program. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. So right now, uh, if you've got a question for Mark Emery, obviously uh, that would be primary. 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features for free. So if you missed a moment of the show... And if you are a new a new listener on our brand new affiliate in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, 94.3 WSC, you've missed a whole lot of moments. Uh, in fact, you can get the entire first uh, entire last year of the show right there on the front page of our website at freetalklive.com for your downloading convenience, completely free. The Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festivals, better known as Porkfest, it's June 9th through the 15th at Porkfest. You'll be able to tour New Hampshire on special Free State Project bus tours or on your own, and see firsthand why Ron Paul loves New Hampshire and its liberty activists. Discover new freedoms, new communities, and new beginnings. Learn more at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. We've got Mark Emery with us. Uh, he is the editor-in-chief of Cannabis Culture Magazine and general all-around marijuana super activist. Uh, Mark, you're back on Free Talk Live. Now, you were telling us about some of your instances of uh, civil disobedience, which I, as I said before, am a huge fan of civil disobedience. Uh, and the one you were describing uh, was a fairly recent one where you went on a tour, a summer of legalization tour, where you went from city to city in Canada and uh, went and smoked a, uh, uh, toked on a bong in front of the police department there. You said you were arrested six times, uh, 12 yeah, times you were... 
Twelve times you were ignored. Continue the story. Well, there wasn't too much ignored. Is that the police acknowledged that the, a, a, a court in their jurisdiction had declared that there was no marijuana law. And everywhere I went, we were in all the newspapers and lots of television. So if I got led away, that gave drama uh, to the whole thing. And so the next city I went to to do it would have a bigger media contingent. So it, uh, it, what happened is ultimately uh, a higher court ruled that there was no marijuana law. And so all the charges against me were dropped, hmm. although I got no apologies for the time I spent in jail in each jurisdiction. Cops don't and, usually but apologize. But then the courts, after acknowledging there was a period when there was no marijuana law, somehow reinstated it, and that was very bizarre. And so the law, after my tour, came into effect. Huh. And, you know, the, the, but the, the purpose of that summer legalization was to demonstrate through the media that there was, in fact, no marijuana law and that we were upheld in that regard. So civil disobedience can be useful for so many things, you know, forcing Absolutely. them to change your law. Um, by the way, Ron Paul's on the current cover of Cannabis Culture magazine, so I hope all your listeners who love Ron Paul as we love Ron Paul um, will note that if on newsstands all across America, Cannabis Culture magazine has Ron Paul on the front cover. I did and, notice that, as a matter of fact, and I was planning on covering it tonight, so I'm glad you jumped on that one. Because... And there's an 11-inch by 17-inch poster in the middle that says, Ron Paul, champion of the Constitution, President 2008. <laughs> so people are meant to pluck that out and put that up somewhere to let everybody know. It's awesome what you're doing there. Uh, just, to, just real quick on your uh, summer of legalization tours, the question, when you were going around from police station to police station, was it just you that was uh, engaging in the disobedience, or did you have others with you uh, doing the same well, thing? Well, what would happen is that if I got away with it, then there were a lot of others. Uh, but in huh. the jurisdictions where I got arrested at 420, um, because that's what I did, I would start speaking at 4 o'clock, and at 420 <laughs> I would light up, which is the international sort of time for marijuana smokers. Yes. You know, it's kind of the a code. universal. Yeah, it's our secret code, but it's not so secret anymore. No. And uh, so at that time, I would like, and then if the police were going to arrest me, they did that right away. So there was no, you know, there was little other fanfare of people smoking while all these cops were determined to make arrests. But in the jurisdictions where courts had said there was no marijuana law, and the police were upholding that, as became apparent, then we'd get massive huge parties of hundreds of people all smoking big chongers at the same time. And then what would happen is a massive party would develop right in front of the police station for <laughs> two to three hours. And this, we have so many photographs of these things happening. We had up to 500 wow. people share a one-ounce joint with me on Parliament Hill. Um, we had a massive 14-inch joint when made up of one ounce of marijuana, <laughs> and over 500 people took a hit of it by the time it was done. That right? is and amazing. Uh, now, here's, here's <laughs> I some, hope no one got a cold sore. Well, related question. Uh, now, the last time we talked was, I think, back in uh, late 2005, and since then, we've moved the show uh, from Sarasota, Florida, to Keene, New Hampshire, as part of the Free State Project, which I'm sure you're well aware of, uh, is a movement of 20,000 liberty-loving activists all moving into the same state in order to if you will, make a stand for liberty. And yeah, inbreeding for liberty is sort of thing, right? <laughs> I suppose you could put it that way. But yeah. it's, it's working brilliantly so far. There have already been a few hundred people that have moved in. We're expecting to have a thousand people in state by the end of this year. Obviously, we'd love to have you come down, but we know it'll happen if you try that. So uh, maybe one of these days we'll secede successfully from the union, and then it won't be an issue anymore. Uh, but until then, there have been some ideas out that have been put out there to do something similar here in New Hampshire, to have people get together in the same place, preferably out in front of a police station or something like that, and uh, and smoke marijuana in public, and some of the objections have been, well, we don't want to be seen like we're uh, in your face. What was the response that, uh, that you received from the media and the public at large to that particular instance of civil disobedience? Well, here's the thing. I seek, I seek to be the dominant person in the movement in Canada 
although I, I've, I've got so many people who've mentored under me who are now major activists in the movement, from David Malmola being Dana Larson, a lot of people, Hillary Black, these are people who are big, big activists in Canada, and they all started with me, and I'm proud of the many, many dozens and dozens of people who've been my protege who are now doing great things out there. So I don't seek control, but I do like, I, I took Miss Rand's admonition very uh, to heart when she said it's really important to define and clarify and dominate the philosophical high ground. And that means I felt that I was really unique and qualified to go out there and on behalf of people who are jailed and oppressed because of cannabis to give an articulate explanation, you know, using principles of rational capitalism, Austrian economics, and a general inclination towards individual liberty Mm -hmm. as the basis by which I could explain that to the public. And typically most pot people have a collectivist or socialist mentality. And I thought, you know, that's always going to muddy the message. We've always got to return to individual liberty, individual autonomy, and the restrictions that ought to be in any constitutional democracy on the state as the reasons why we are permitted to do this. Not so much permitted, why we have the right to do it, and the government has no right to stop us to do it. And so I wanted to really be that person that got out there. So that means, you know, uh, you've got to be able to love cameras. You've got to love criticism. You've got to love people who use that. Oh, you're just an egomaniac who loves the microphone or loves the camera. Yeah, I do, but I really respect it because whenever I'm in the newspaper, I realize that hundreds and hundreds of trees are getting slashed down and pulped into mulch just so whatever I think can be in a newspaper. So I take that seriously. Every time my magazine goes to press, I realize I slaughtered a small forest to produce my magazine, so I like to think that I can justify that because what's in the magazine is a great use of those trees because we're giving out true information, enlightenment, and things that are really all about liberty and releasing people from bondage. And all my life has been like that, so I've had this really nice, privileged lifestyle, albeit having been arrested 22 times for marijuana alone and jailed 17 times for marijuana. Many of those times, of course, charges were dropped, as I was right, but you still get to go to jail. Mm -hmm. I've been raided six times. And I've had over a million dollars of my assets taken. And a couple of those times, the majority of my assets were taken without any charges being laid whatsoever. It was, you know, cops are clever. Now, uh, Mark, you wouldn't have to worry about those trees if we uh, legalized industrial hemp as a a solution because you could make those uh, newspapers so much more easily out of hemp. Well, well, here's the thing, though. We have a big hemp industry here in Canada. And uh, the thing about trees is there's lots of them. We have a whole infrastructure built around trees, even though there's a fair bit of toxic waste from tree pulping because you've got to get the lignin out, which requires chlorine bleach, and that's what goes in the waterways, which is why pulp and paper mills are always dangerous to the river systems around them. But nonetheless, you'd really need an awful lot of hemp to absorb that. That's a good point. You can always plant more trees. Mark, hang on. We're going to bring you back for more of this. 800-259-9231. Still got to catch up to what's going on today with the DEA threatening Mark with possibly life in prison. More on the way with your calls as well for Mark Emery. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231, especially if you've got a question for Mark Emery, the Prince of Pot. 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And again, join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there... 
we give away. So enjoy those on us, including the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo. To prove they listen to the show, head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. In fact, uh, Mark Emery is with us, and his very lovely wife, Jody happens to be one of our Shriners, as a matter of fact. So you can see her picture uh, there on the Shrine of Female listeners. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CII does collections, early outbilling, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for their customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com and do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. So not only is Mark Emery the prince of pot, uh, and he's the number one most wanted marijuana criminal, so-called consensual criminal, uh, by the, the U.S. DEA, but he's also a principled libertarian. He's endorsed Ron Paul uh, for the, uh, the presidency in the United States, uh, studied Austrian economics. I mean, you, you fit right in here on Free Talk Live, Mark, and it's great to have you at the forefront of the relegalization movement. Let's catch up to today. Let's, uh, let's catch up with what's going on, because the last time we had you on the show, you were facing extradition. The DEA, the federal government, has been trying to remove you from Canada and extradite you to the United States to face trial on, what is it, conspiracy charges? What do they yeah, got to throw so They're saying that I sold seeds that went to Americans who grew it for marijuana, and then the money they sent me I gave away. That's the funny thing, right? I didn't actually keep any of it because I've never owned anything of any kind of any substance other than my magazine. And, uh, and that was built out of scratch, so it's not really anything to, you know, you have a physical asset where you put a magazine. Anyway, so the thing is they're claiming I'm conspiring to do all those things, and... They want me extra to the United States where they would, you know, make me an organized crime kingpin criminal, enter, continuing criminal enterprise and all that sort of stuff. And it would be like the rest of my life. I'm 50 years old now, so anything yeah. they gave me, 10, 20, 30, 40, 1,000 years. You know, the American judicial system or the criminal justice system thinks it owns your next three reincarnations, gives you like 300 years in jail or something. So, you know, it's some absolutely outrageous, draconian thing, but not unfamiliar to Americans. As even someone on the Super Bowl team going to the New York Giants has a brother um, who's serving 25 years for marijuana trafficking in a federal prison and is not expected to get parole until 2022. So, and the fellow's already been there for about four years. So, you know, people in America are getting 20, 30, 40 years of actual custody for handling marijuana. So, you know, now they just, they're extending it to Canadians. It's outlandish to think any Canadian would be in jail for marijuana more than a year or two. And we do have you know, thousands of people in jail for marijuana, but the United States is over 55,000 people in jail for marijuana mm. at any given time. Wow. 16% of all people serving life imprisonment without parole are there for drugs alone. What could you be selling? You know, what could you do so bad that would get you the rest of your life in jail, but the people who make tobacco or alcohol or prescription drugs are never jailed for the the drug and the kills, you know, the killed individuals of their drugs have clearly produced. So, Mark, they were and, trying to, to extradite you, and uh, this, I think it was last month, there was a trial that was scheduled in order to make, uh, I guess they wanted that to happen last month, but you came up with a deal. What what was it that uh, that is, is going on right well, now? Well, you know, basically it's got to this. My lawyers have always been working on the theory that, you know, there's no hope for me, I'm doomed. The United States has gotten all these countries, including Canada, signed these treaties that give them absolute power over anybody they want to apprehend in this post-9-11 world. And so they said the best thing you can do is see if they offer a deal. Now, they, we did kind of approach them, my lawyer approached them, because that's all he thinks is possible. And then they did kind of offer, you know, that I would, if I serve five years in custody, which is outlandish by any standards here in Canada, no one goes five years in custody for jail for any level of marijuana, no matter how 
hmm. many millions of plants you could possibly grow, you would not get five years in custody for marijuana here. But anyway, they want me to serve five years. And the deal, the reason I would even consider accepting that is because uh, the deal requires them not to jail or incarcerate my two co-accused, one of whom is a woman with Crohn's disease, Michelle, who's just a true believer who's always been uh, a loyal, you know, if anything, like activist with me. And she's got Crohn's disease, and it would just be a very uncomfortable time if she were in jail. I bet. Because, they, you know, she'd end up having surgeries and part of her bowel removed. And she has a license here to grow and use med- marijuana like many people in Canada do. And so, you know, if I if I could keep them out of jail and... Five years, mostly in Canada, but part of it in the United States. Then you know it would be worth considering, and that's what we are considering. Mm. So when but is this going to be decided? Would, what's that? When will the uh, the decision come down on this? Oh, we'll know about that within about thirty to sixty days. And then if I don't take it, if for some reason we can't make a deal, then we go ahead with the extradition hearing, which you know gives me a few possibilities of of of. Very low likelihood. The United States has only not gotten three people in 140 years from Canada that it wanted to extradite. Wow. And, you know, but my case is particularly different. I'm a Canadian. I've never been to the United States in all this time. I've never done any of these so-called crimes in the United States. They were all done in Vancouver. And they were done, more importantly, with a very complicit uh, tolerance of everybody in Canada from the entire political establishment. I mean, leaders of political parties came to my home. Right. You weren't exactly hiding. I mean, you were doing this out in the open. You were, in fact, uh, paying hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes. Oh, yeah. And I was declaring my income on my income tax form was said... It said marijuana seed vendor. Everybody in the income tax knew who I was because I would go have meetings with them where they'd ask me if I could give them more money, and I would explain where all my banks were and how all the money was you know, spent and everything. You know, and so the government revenue agency knew all the intimate details of my business, uh, except the actual names of suppliers and customers. But yeah. They knew where all my money went and everything about me went. And then, you know, major leaders of political parties, I mean, real political, in the parliament, would come to my home and ask people on video for my support. And, you know, my point being is that no one would let any of these people, the mayor of the city, spoke at my conference as a keynote speaker. The, if I was a drug dealer, they wouldn't be anywhere near Absolutely. Me. No one in Canada ever thought that. So, you know, but the problem is Canada is uh, a puppet government and a right. satellite. It, it might as well just be the 51st state at this point. I mean, if they let you come back, if well, they... no, uh... then I'd get to vote for Ron Paul. That would be better <laughs> if you were the 51st state. But being, being a puppet that's manipulated secretly and surreptitiously from abroad with people in your own government who are willing to be quizlings, um, that's a worse situation. Yeah, it's outrageous. People here, well, people here think they have an autonomous sovereign nation, but in reality... It, we're taking instructions from another government. And, uh, of course, clearly Ron Paul would stop that. And, of course, Ron Paul would also end the U.S. federal war on drugs. And Ron Paul would in, rescind the indictment against uh, the BC3. So, you know, I, 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 for the first time in my life, I'm involved in an election where I actually stand to benefit. I actually gain more than just some concept of liberty. If Ron Paul were the president of the United States, I wouldn't be going to jail mm-hmm. in the United States, and I wouldn't be extradited, and not only would I be free, but millions of Americans would also be freer because they would no longer be going to jail for federal drug crimes. Mark, I know, that, uh, I know that there's been a tremendous outpouring of support uh, in order to, you know, people have been writing judges and their representatives have, there. Yeah. In Canada, and uh, and uh, you know, despite all that, they're still considering letting you go. What is it that people in the United States, and we also have Canadian listeners on the show as well as international listeners. What is what is it that people around the world, inside and outside of Canada, can do to to help you with your situation? Well, they can read more about the story. So we have this website called noextradition.net. Okay, it tells you everything you ever need to know about uh, the United States DEA and the U.S. Justice Department trying to extradite 
lovely, wonderful Mark Emery, libertarian friend of all people, and you know, oppressed uh, people all around the world, etc. But anyway, so noextradition.net, and then our our website is cannabisculture.com, right. where we have uh, that same information and more cannabis-related information. Well, we've had your uh, Cannabis Culture link, uh, the banner up on our website uh, for the last year and a half, as a matter of fact, and it's not going anywhere. So whatever we can do to help drive as many people to uh, to help you out here, we certainly will. It's, again, CannabisCulture.com. Beyond the fact that, uh, that you know, all this drama is happening with your life, it is a great magazine as well, and I highly recommend that people uh, take a look inside well, people it. people you know are in there. Barry Cooper's in there. Yeah, uh, Barry. Uh, you know, regular columnists. We try and get the... The most, Barry's a great guy, by the way. He is. We had a chance to meet him. He came up here to New Hampshire uh, last month for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, the Free State Project. It was his first time in New Hampshire. Yeah, he and had way too much fun, let me tell you. He did. He had, there was a lot of he fun going on in time. our hotel room, as a matter of fact. It was good to Yeah, he, he likes New Hampshire people, is what he told me. <laughs> so, I'm so glad that uh, that Barry has been accepted by uh, by a number of the people in the marijuana relegalization movement. I know when he oh, first that, that's that's taken some time though. The thing is, I like Barry right away. I liked everything about Barry. I've always yeah. liked Barry. I like saw a lot of his stuff. But you know, uh, I saw a good example of. We can come back with more on this, Mark. Hang on, more about Barry Cooper and your calls as well. If you've got a question for Mark Emery, he is the Prince of Pot. He's on the line with us for a few more moments. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the number. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show... Want to help support Free Talk Live? Then go shopping with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. 41 categories to shop in, free Super Saver shipping on a whole bunch of items. Get your shopping done. Get whatever you need for life. And do it at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. We go back to Mark Emery. He is the Prince of Pot. He's the editor-in-chief, uh, the man behind Cannabis Culture Magazine, Civil Disobedience, and Marijuana Relegalization Super Activist. Uh, and he's back on Free Talk Live for these remaining moments of this particular hour. Uh, so, Mark, we were talking about Barry Cooper, one of the newest, uh, I guess, rising stars in the uh, the marijuana relegalization movement, when he came onto the scene, I, like you, was just amazed at what he was doing. There were a number of marijuana activists that were kind of, well, I don't know, paranoid about Barry and thought he was an undercover cop still or something like that. And you've had the chance to meet him in person. I've had the chance to meet him in person. We both hung out. We both uh, have uh, partaken with Barry, and he is a, a stand-up hell of a guy. Oh, no, totally wonderful guy. Spent a week with him here in Vancouver, where it blew his mind. But uh, the great thing about Barry that's so unique, can't find it anywhere else, doesn't exist, not even those guys in Leap, uh, law enforcement against prohibition, whom I love, all of them, they're wonderful guys. Mm -hmm. But Barry spills his guts. Barry will tell you everything he ever thought as a cop, every disgraceful, awful, terrible motivation, idea, cruel thing he ever thought, every motivation for why he busted thousands of people for marijuana, why he ruined their lives and and you know he talks about the feelings he had when he kicked through doors to take kids away from their parents and ruin their lives and he feels great regret for it now yeah. but he can tell you exactly how sleazy cops can be and how dangerous the state is against the autonomy 
and privacy of Americans. And he can tell you firsthand how he, in the space of 10 weeks, got to be a cop. He was at college, and at a job fair, they said, you can be a cop in 400 hours, 10 weeks. You can be. And he goes, wow, that's great. Like, who needs to get a degree for three or four years if I can become a cop in 10 weeks? And so he gets to be a cop, and he said, I couldn't believe they put a gun in my hand after 10 weeks of schooling and then let me stop people at traffic points and on highway and investigate them. And, and the stuff he tells people in his column in Cannabis Culture is quite remarkable. And I've done some great YouTube videos. If you put Barry Cooper and Mark Emery in uh, Google, or YouTube rather, you're going to find two really excellent interviews where I interview Barry Cooper, and he tells so much stuff about how police treat Americans and what to look for, you know, and, uh, and telltale signs that cops need. Cops, for example, always know that when you talk to them and you're touching your face, you're telling a lie. People who lie tend to touch their face, their forehead. They, you know, mm-hmm. it, sometimes they even appear to be sweating, but typically they're touching themselves. People who are telling the truth look straight ahead, and they're very direct, and they don't touch their face, and they don't start playing with their hands around their face and stuff like that. But he tells you all sorts of great stuff that you need to know when you're being interviewed by police or when you're in an encounter with police or when you're being raided by police or so- when you're being told to open the front door, there's a cop. Right, and and basically uh, what we've understood from what Barry has said recently is the best thing to do when a cop comes to your house is just not even answer the door. Yeah, I think that's pretty heavy because I'm not used to, like, refusing an order of a cop. Um, and in Canada, we don't have these kind of same constitutional guarantees. Now, whether they actually exist in the United States is always a question, but Barry is insistent that uh, they slip the warrant under the door, or if they really feel like they want to come in, they can just kick the door down. Yeah. And the reason, he says, is because that requires a whole new level of authorization. He said to kick your front door in the house of a citizen is like major bureaucracy. Somebody somewhere higher up has to make a decision that they're coming through your front door. So you're going to at least get a couple of hours while they decide what's going to happen about that, right? And you might need that couple of hours. Um, typically, Barry says what they try and do is cajole the person to come out on the front step and talk to them. Right, and but nothing said, good can come of this. I mean, it, no, the Barry cops are always friends. fishing for some evidence to arrest you or a friend of yours. Well, with. remember, Barry always reminds people, and he does this in the videos, their cops are never your friend. Right. You are always a potential criminal. You are always a suspect. Everything you say can and will be used against you. And you have to remember that everything you say will be used against you. They don't say everything you say will be used in your favor or for you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say everything you say will be used to advance the liberty of you yourself and fellow Americans. Everything you say will be used against you in a court of law. So they've established from the get-go they're not your friends, they're not your servants, you don't own them, they don't work for you, they are state employees right. whose job it is to arrest you and make your life miserable. Right. The fact is, these guys are out there to protect and serve the state, not you and I. That's uh, right. And then, and then typical, whenever, we're, whenever we have to accept some degree of totalitarianism or tyranny, they always make it look like it's for our own good <laughs> in some form or another. So, of course, they use phrases like to serve and protect. Right. Now, we, we snidely add themselves or the power structure of the establishment of the government right. or the state. But, of course, they always have these right now what we would call Orwellian slogans to accompany their acts of tyranny that suggest they're doing something good for the people that enhances it and enriches our lives in some way or another. Yeah, and what we've actually seen, and I'm sure, I, I imagine Canada's had similar decisions, but here the, uh, the Supreme Court has ruled over and over again, Mark, that, that the police and no government agency, but specifically the police, have no obligation whatsoever to provide you with any level of protection. So, I mean, the idea that people believe the police are out there to keep them safe or protect them is just, it's just absurd because even the well, government themselves admit that that's just no, there's no obligation for it. Let me just ask you something here. 
fear is a big motivator of people to give up their liberties. And Americans are seized by fear, and they must be. Even in New Hampshire, John McCain got such a huge amount, I was crushed yeah. by how the warmongers did so well in the live free or die state. So can you explain this paradox? Why, do, why are Americans scared when they're, they're, you know, terrorists have killed fewer Americans than die on a highway in a month? I think, it's, uh, I think it really goes back to government education, Mark. I think it's generation after generation of government-educated uh, people raising more government-educated people, and they've been lied to for decades, and that, that does some serious damage. Huh. Because, it, you know, to me, the Americans' lack of self-awareness is really incredible. I would have to say this war in Iraq is a particular example. It's almost criticism of the war. It's almost fallen off the radar. It's not even talked about. I haven't seen a national rally in the United States against the war in Iraq for perhaps a year now. I'm not sure one's gone on. And yet, the complacency, I mean, they've been there longer than the Germans were in Poland. And and if you think that's an offensive characterization, bear in mind the Germans killed 3 million Poles, but 700,000 Iraqis have died in -hmm. the same period. And they were both unjustified occupations. You know, they both have atrocities that are going, both involve ethnic cleansing. And, the, the, you know, whereas the Germans were supposed to be there a thousand years, now John McCain says the Americans will be there a hundred years. Well, and here's the thing, at least everybody in the world went to war against Germany after they invaded Poland, but everybody has stood by complacently while the Americans have occupied, invaded, and basically destroyed an entire culture. It is a mind-bender, and, and these are the things we discuss, you know, six nights a week on this program, and I think that when you look at the reasons why, one of the most powerful ones, beyond the fact that Americans have been uh, very heavily indoctrinated by the government in the government school system, is also that we live in what's essentially a very comfy prison. Uh, you know, most Americans don't realize they're living in a police state because they have all these wonderful accoutrements like uh, cell phones and air conditioning and television and these distractions that, uh, you know, plenty of beer to drink, uh, all kinds of things to keep their mind off of the real issues and what's really going on out there. And if they don't actually encounter uh, a suspicionless check, Point. If they don't, if they don't have a friend who was arrested for marijuana possession, or they haven't encountered the police state, then they they almost are completely oblivious to it, and it really is one of the most frustrating things about living here. Well, you kind of answered it, I guess. You know, uh, if we if you lived if the United States got poorer and more desperate, it probably would be more activist, and people would be more concerned about their liberties. Right, but, but we, don't, we can't afford to wait for that, because uh, that's why we joined the Free State Project. Mark and myself uh, and uh, my girlfriend, and uh, I guess I said earlier, hundreds of others have moved up to New Hampshire as a, so as a part like, of this though, movement. What's it like hanging out with like 20,000 other libertarians? Is it like really cool, or is it like potentially a weird nightmare of strange characters and eccentrics who have different weird... It's not uh, like that know, at all. Yeah, I know what you okay, mean, because right. if you go to a libertarian meeting, you get all the weirdos around. Uh, but, but here in New Hampshire, we're getting the cream of the crop. We're getting the Mark Emery's of America all moving here into New Hampshire. So we're getting the best of the best super activists uh, here. And so at the drop of a hat, you can have 10 people show up. And it's not 20,000 yet. We've only had about a few hundred people move in. So we're targeting 20,000, and we're inviting people to come in here as soon as possible. Uh, but even with a few hundred people in the state... At the drop of a hat, you can have 10 or 20 people show up at a court trial the next day. Uh, you can call a social meeting, and uh, you know, 20 people will show up and hang out for you know, a few hours. So it's, it's just an amazing group of activists, and this level of activity is unprecedented in, uh, in at least recent American history. It's amazing. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, you know, I've heard about the free space, right? It's been an idea now for about 15 years. Uh, I, I've been a libertarian since 1980. Uh, when I first ran as a libertarian for Canada's federal parliament, and I've since run in 10 elections of all levels, 
in the intervening 28 years. You know, Mark, and, uh, is it all right if I hold you through for another segment? The calls are now coming in for you after all this sure. time. So we're going to hang on to you and uh, bring you back in hour number two here. John is on the line, I believe, uh, Cannabis Kevin as well. And if you've got a question for Mark Emery, you better get it in because he's staying on overtime for you. 800-259-9231. This is the live Saturday edition of Free Talk Live. 1-800-259-9231. Mark Emery is on the line with us, and you can talk to him. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, the live Saturday edition as we launch an hour number two of the program. The toll-free number for you is 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. That, again, the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And it's unusual that we'll hold a guest through a news break, but we've done that. Uh, Mark Emery is with us. He's the Prince of Pot, the editor-in-chief, publisher of Cannabis Culture Magazine, CannabisCulture.com. Uh, Mark, we spent the entire last hour with you, and the calls came in right in the last minute of the uh, the, the hour, so I wanted to make sure these callers had a chance to talk to you since uh, they, I guess, wanted to get on the line. Are you still there, Mark? I am. Super. Uh, I can't stay on more than half hour. Here's what I've got a Libertarian Supper Club tonight. Maximum 10 more Brock. minutes. That's it. Uh, so we're going to go right into these calls, and we'll let you go right. here. Let's talk first to Cannabis Kevin in Minnesota. You're on with Mark Emery. Hey, Mark. It's an uh, honor to talk to you. Um, nice to hear you. Uh, I am trying to follow in the footsteps of White Plume. I'm with the White Earth Reservation. I gave my reservation council a two-and-a-half-hour presentation on growing industrial cannabis on the reservation. I am also currently looking into the Fort Laramie Treaty of using that in order to um, bring across the border industrial cannabis seeds because according to the Fort Laramie Treaty, there are no borders from the Native Americans into Canada. And uh, I also started a nonprofit organization. It's called Cannabis Resolution. And I'm wondering what's the best way to contact you and if you may have some advice for me being up in Canada to uh, try to get the reservation going on board with this. Well, the... the it's legal to actually grow hemp in the United States. What's not happening uh, is the DEA has refused to issue permits thus far. And the DEA is the final arbiter of anything to do with cannabis research or, or uh, cultivation in the United States, and they will not issue licenses uh, at, to anyone at, at, who even is authorized at the state level by the state government to grow hemp. So it's a real challenge. Unfortunately, the, uh, the native communities of the United States can are often told they have sovereign lands, but they don't have sovereign lands because they really can't do anything that would contradict the laws of the United States. So it's been very difficult. They've been trying to grow cannabis for hemp, industrial hemp, seeds and fiber on native lands since the 1972 period in the United States, and I've never seen one successfully happen. And at the same time, I, I'm, I sympathize with your frustration because one of the things that's happened in my lifetime uh, you know, we got books and magazines about marijuana unbanned in 1995, and we got legal hemp uh, established in 1994, and now it's a very f- flourishing industry. We have hundreds and hundreds of farms 
that grow uh, hemp plants, cannabis plants for the seeds that are crushed, and they're in everything we buy up here. Our cereal has them. Our cookie bars have them. You know, most ordinary grocery stores now have at least 15 to 20 hemp products in that place, from hemp butters to hemp peanut butters to hemp, you know, cereals to hemp crackers to hemp oils to hemp salad dressings. It's in everything here. So, you know, that's happened within about 13 years of having a, a flourishing uh, cannabis food industry. So it will happen in time. But unfortunately, America is actually doing the opposite of what's supposed to happen in a period when new things come on the market. The key thing is to get in early, to get established expertise, and then to, to try and dominate a good aspect of the market. The United States is being the last in the world that's getting into this market. So they're being outflanked by Canadians who now are getting like 12, 13 years of expertise in this prop. We've had to go through some dark times in the hemp industry here because the DEA had banned imports of hemp food products up until two years ago when that was overturned in a lawsuit against the, the DEA and the federal government. So now Canadians have a really expanded export market in the United States. So what you're doing is the United States is buying millions of boxes of hemp cereals and hemp butters and, and hemp products from Canada and giving us a further lead in that industry because the United States' own government is retarding the development of a cannabis industry in the United States. Kevin, best of luck with your project. You can certainly get in touch with Mark through his website at CannabisCulture.com. That's right. Uh, thank you for the call, Kevin. Let's continue with John in Washington. John, you're on with Mark Emery from Cannabis Culture Magazine. Um, well, first of all, I'd like to say um, uh, nice to hear your voice again, Mark. Uh, we met once before in Vancouver. Um, but I wanted to, I wanted to tell you that I would think very, very seriously about this business of spending some time in jail in the United States. Um, uh, I, I, I've had so much uh, pro- problems here in this country. Um, I was arrested without, an, without a warrant and kept incognito for over five days before I got access to counsel. And to this date, they, there has never been a warrant uh, produced, or uh, no one has proven that it exists. Um, but nonetheless, I was kept um, in a cage for five days incognito. The other thing I'd like to tell you is, is that my brother had um, uh, HIV and was passing away, had wasting disease, or with the wasting syndrome. And, and um, with the use of cannabis, he actually gained 30 pounds before he passed away. Hmm. And um, I went down to pick up his um, uh, belongings from his apartment in Florida, and there were this uh, battalion of cops on the on the uh, on the state line there, and they were just indiscriminately or discriminately stopping people um, and going through their trunks and so forth. Wow. And uh, this cop stopped me, and um, his uh, partner had uh, placed his medication what was left of it, which was uh, 18.2 ounces, in the bottom of a, f- a box of family photographs that I, that I picked up from his apartment, um, unbeknownst to me. And when the police asked if they could search my car, I told them no. They, they held me down, took my keys, searched my car anyway, mm-hmm. and went directly to that box of photographs and directly to that container and pulled that out and disturbed nothing else. When they impounded my car, they took a brand-new Camry and they tore it to shreds, busted the windows out of it, 
bent the hood up, ripped the seats open, cut the hoses to the air conditioning. John, it's an awful thousands story. Thousands and thousands of dollars. I wouldn't come here if I were you. Well, and what you're suggesting is if he comes here, then uh, only to spend a year, they might keep him longer just because they're untrustworthy scum. Is that what you're Precisely, saying? Precisely. They have never kept an agreement just like that that uh, a Native American gentleman said before. They have never kept an agreement as far back as the point where they made treaties with That's the Indians, point, and I John. don't think they'll keep one with you. Thanks for the call well, tonight, John. Uh, Mark, your thoughts? Well, they actually don't keep their treaties with Canada either. Do we, we, we keep winning in tribunals over softwood lumber and other things because of our North American free trade uh, agreement gives us these councils. But then the United States government never feels obligated to obey them and simply disobeys <laughs> them until Canadian government comes up with a more palatable solution for them. So the United States abuses its treaties with all countries. It's true. And every single American who's contacted me has been most nervous about me spending any time whatsoever in a U.S. jail. But, you know, the, the part about that I like is that I want to be able to use the natural concern that Americans have for my safety as kind of a weapon in our favor, because the more it looks like I'm going to be coming to America, I'm hoping the more motivated people can be. The more likely it is I'm going to go to jail, I'm hoping it's going to motivate activists, right? Their, their fear for me will cause them to perhaps do even more things on behalf of the movement of both liberty and about cannabis liberation. Well, you know, that's and, what I've always said, Mark, is that if they ever came after myself or my co-host, Mark, uh, or any of the people on Free Talk Live, and they've somehow, you know, kicked in our door and raided our show and, you know, arrested us on treason charges, that would only make the movement stronger. It would only galvanize more people to uh, move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project and get active uh, here or where they currently are. So, you know, sort of like Obi-Wan being struck down in Star Wars, right? Well, I, I'm hoping that. I like that idea. Darth, you'll make me more powerful than you can possibly imagine. But you have to be the right person for that. Most people um, are not, like I've been doing this for 30 years. My whole sure. life's destiny is to do this sort of thing. And that makes me fairly unique among Canadians. Uh, and, you know, I, and they've even just put a, new, a movie out about me in Canada that's been on the national television now twice in the last couple of months. Well, Mark, I have to say, I, I hope it doesn't happen, and I know you had an evening to get to, so I want to let you get to it. Uh, but as always, you're always welcome to come back here on Free Talk Live as soon as anything develops with your case, if you want to get a little bit of national coverage. Last time you were on, I think we were on like seven stations. We've got 33 now uh, from coast to coast, so it's always great having you on the show, Mark Emery. Thank you. Let me urge your audience to go to youtube.com slash Prince of Pot. You can watch the movie that they spent a quarter million dollars making about me that they air on national television here. Wonderful movie. Our listeners should also go to your website, CannabisCulture.com, and find out how they can help you out with the uh, extradition extradition situation. Mark Emery, have a great weekend. Always good hearing from you. Thanks for coming on Free Talk Live. Your calls are on the way. You can make them about anything. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday edition of the program. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features there we give away. And if you uh, want to experience those, well, surf around. There's all kinds of stuff, including the wiki with over 1,500 pages created by listeners just like you. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive. wiki.freetalklive.com. How would you like to lose up to 25 pounds in just nine days without permanently changing your diet? Check out this amazing doctor-recommended product. Go to ftldiscount.com, read some real testimonials, and find out how to order. That's ftldiscount.com. And this really works. Uh, I have a friend who's lost over 14 pounds on it already. Great. Let's go right into your phone calls and talk to Tony in Florida, listening on WFTL. Hey, Tony. Hey, how you doing, guys? Great. What's on your um, mind tonight? Great. Listen, 
I don't know where to start here. First, I wish your your guest was still on because I'd like him to respond in regards to him bringing up, uh, and I want to talk about this law enforcement thing, but I would like to know his input or respond to how um, his uh, uh, his uh, comment about uh, 750,000 or whatever uh, Iraqis have been killed uh, from the hands of U.S. soldiers uh, when, number one, that report was a report that was found, which was uh, – funded by George Soros, and now many members who were part of this inquiry are now coming out and saying that uh, uh, the numbers are 60 to 70 percent lower than we estimated, and that, uh, you know, a lot of it was politically uh, motivated. So I'd like to know what he thought about that, uh, especially being that uh, most of the uh, killings in Iraq are, are uh, right now Iraqi upon Iraqi, just like the other day with the car bombing. Isn't it great to see uh, uh, terrorists using uh, uh, retarded people? people? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's awful. Yeah. Now, okay. uh, let me, let me respond to, to what kill, you said. Um, kill Iraqis. And, and, uh, uh, before you go on, that. before you go on, um, but let me respond to what you said. He did not claim that um, it was that those seven hundred thousand deaths were at uh, the hands of U.S. soldiers. He did not well, say that. He was that. comparing the U.S. He was he was absolutely. The U.S. military, the Germans. Yep, yep, and you know, okay. I didn't, I didn't so call him on the, uh, hold on, before you go on, um, uh, he, he, I didn't respond to the 700,000 number, there are numbers all over the place on this, and probably a conservative estimate is over 100,000 Iraqis have been killed as a direct result of the conflict. Um, and, okay. you know, the, the I, fact is, I, we, destabilized, I, I we destabilized their government severely. Their, the ethnic cleansing wasn't going on. These people were alive before we took Saddam Hussein out, who was, you know, as a, a despotic leader, but no more despotic than uh, any other leader that's out there in so many other countries. Um, I don't think we should be involved in the conflict, and uh, but at the same time, you know... And that's, that's, listen, that's fair enough. I respect that. Okay. Listen, now I let's go on to the law enforcement. Now, wait a minute. Now, I'm going to say something okay. here because, uh, you know, it doesn't matter to me if it's 700,000 or if it's 10,000 or if it's 100. We're talking about human lives here. And that's so bickering over how many there... Bickering okay, over the number minute. of There's people that have been killed, Tony, is, should not be the issue. The issue should be what in the hell is the United States government doing initiating conflicts around the world, especially without declarations of war? That should yeah, be the main issue. Been going on. This has been going on for thousands of years. I mean, come on. No, we, the you know, U.S. government's only been over there for a few decades. Okay, but I'm, I'm tired of talking about the war and everything. I just I wanted to bring out, I wish he was still on because I, I really wanted him to respond to well, his main issue is cannabis but, and uh, re-legalization. That's why we had him on the show tonight, okay, not to talk but, about the war. But my, my other concern is this, is that it seems to me that you guys are really against law enforcement um, in, in talking. And I have a cousin who is a uh, Palm Beach County deputy sheriff. And i got to tell you, I think he'd take real offense to some of the things that are being said here tonight. Like listen, any organization, Well, listen, any organization, any uh, 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 group, Okay, you're going to have, and I'm going to be the first to say that there are law enforcement agents, and it's a small, a minimal, minimal amount <laughs> that are either corrupt or, you know, but listen. Wait a minute. Now, before you this. go on, I, I understand okay. where you're coming from on that because you've got family members and that's what you want to believe. But when we well, talk well, to law enforcement true. agents, sir, when we talk to law enforcement agents, they tell us it's upwards of 75 to 80 percent of them. On air. Of, of what? Corrupt Corruption, sir. I've known a, a New York police detective who told me that every single cop he worked with was, was corrupt in some way. Okay, if that's the case, though, why isn't there major anarchy right now on the streets? 
Well, <laughs> I don't because because Americans because Americans won't allow it. What are you going to do if there's anarchy on your street? Well, you're going to keep well, you're going to protect wait, yours and your house, this is right? My thing. Who's if if we're so against law enforcement? Okay, say God forbid a loved one of mine of or yours. Okay, was in a situation where there was a criminal that had a gun to someone that you love to their head. Who are you going to call to, to, to deal with the situation? Well, I'm hopefully going to be armed, and I'm going to handle the situation myself. I, you know, what? you dial 911 and die. But I'd like to say that I think that protection is fine. I'm all in favor of what? protection. What I'm against yeah. is law enforcement agencies enforcing bad laws like marijuana prohibition and drug prohibition and gambling prohibition and, uh, let's see, prostitution you know, law prohibition. Enforcement, wait a minute. Hold on here. Are you saying that law enforcement is the, is the sole body that's influencing prohibition of gambling? Isn't that the They're the ones enforcing the laws, the, sir. Government that, that, they that, are that, the ones actually, enforcing those laws. If they didn't okay, enforce the laws, they'd be of no, no effect. enforcing the laws that were brought upon them to enforce. Well, uh, now, now that, like that, that, so were the Nazis. Like the that excuse didn't work in Nuremberg, and it doesn't work here, okay? Now, we, we come out against the politicians. We come out against uh, you know the police officers that do arbitrarily enforce these rules. You've got to admit that sometimes cops let people go for drug possession. Sometimes they, um, they don't. Depends and on the cop. It, it, it depends on the cop, depends on their mood, depends on a whole bunch of things. So, well, but you guys, you guys are trying to defend illegal drugs and and gambling and all this other stuff no we defend they're freedom only, they're only enforcing they're only enforcing legislation that's been put in place you're making it like for example in florida we just i don't know if you were familiar with we just uh, they the state just approved a pact so that there's now vegas style gambling in the indian casinos down here i never heard any mention that it was approved by the palm beach county sheriff's department or Florida state troopers that approved it. They only enforce the laws. Are you saying that? Are you saying the police? Are you saying the police don't overlook some gambling um, operations? Of well, they're overlooking in what? In regards to what? In well, regards d- to don't go in sure and enforce the law. Well, of course, if, if there's there you go. Stealing, See, they're they're making Hold arbitrary decisions. Very, wait a minute. You're talking about you're talking about enforcing right. They're enforcing. If someone at the casino calls up and says, somebody just robbed us here, I would expect that Palm Beach County Sheriff's Department to show up to the scene to either investigate okay, or Okay, let's to put a dividing line in here, Tony. There's, there's, we, need to divide the, uh, we need to put a dividing line in between what the police should be doing and what the police are doing. The police well, should absolutely... Slow down. Hang doing? on. Uh, we're going to give you getting... plenty of time to talk, okay? I'll hold you over if necessary. It's not a problem. Because okay. it's a good conversation. It's important that we have this. Look, the police, back in the good old days, uh, before prohibition came about, their main purpose was supposedly to protect people. And that, uh, that includes protect them from, you know, arsonists, murderers, rapists, violence of all different sorts. Which they, which and nobody disagrees with that, Tony. We're right. all in favor Th- of protection. Those guys will throw themselves in front of a bullet if they get the chance. Likely they will not. But what we're talking about uh, on the other listen, side of that line is, is that cons- Tony? Would be offended by that remark. Tony what, Hank- that, hold on. Th- that they would be offended by what? That, that you'd say that they wouldn't they wouldn't get in front of a bullet. To no, no. I said those guys would throw themselves in front of a bullet oh, if they okay. got the chance. Likely they will not get the chance. But likely okay, they will okay, not. Sorry. And what I meant I'm was sorry. not get the chance. I want to because bring 
cops, there's too few of them, and they're really just a cleanup crew. They come after the crime has been committed. Tony, if you'll hang on, we'll bring you back for more of this discussion because it's an important one, and I want to have it with you here. 800-259-9231. And maybe if you have a question for Tony, you're welcome to dial on in because there's uh, two sorts of things the police are doing. They're enforcing crimes when people can get hurt and then these consensual crimes, which we'll talk about. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, the live Saturday edition. Take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark, 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We have got updates. You get signed up, and we keep you in the loop whenever there's something fresh you need to know about the show. Go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list for free, of course. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Your mattress is likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does that bother you? It bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. That's SavvyRest.com. We go back to Tony in Florida listening on WFTL. Mark, you wanted to make a point about uh, us hanging on to Tony's call. Right. You know, uh, most most talk shows uh, use callers like they do alb- like they do songs. You know, they, they play them real quick. They get a couple of points out of the caller, and then they, uh, they toss them without saying goodbye or anything like that. And uh, Tony wanted to talk, and he was talking very quickly, and he, I understand why. Because he thought that he was going to be out the door inside of two minutes. Because no, that's how it's done. I don't, wait a minute, I don't think that at all i'm actually i appreciate you guys holding me on sure. because i do i actually do i'm frustrated whenever i call a talk show because i do listen to a lot of talk radio uh you know that you cut off so i do appreciate that and i'm not listen i'm italian so i just talk fast very good tony we're going to get back into it here because i was making all. a point before we went away and i want to make sure i got that clear and then you can move on where wherever you wanted to go with this but uh, what i was pointing out is that uh, law enforcement busies itself with two main tasks these days and that is vice uh, consensual crimes, and then real crimes where people are actually getting hurt. And I'm all in favor of protection, keeping people safe from murder, rapists, you know, violent criminals. That's fine in my book. The problem, okay. my problem and my main objection comes in when law, is when law enforcement is enforcing what we call consensual crimes, in that the participants in the so-called crime are consenting. They're consenting adults in most cases, in the case of, uh, you know, marijuana or other drugs, uh, when it comes to prostitution or gambling. Those are three examples of consensual crimes. That really, in a free country, uh, the police department really should have no business being involved in. And as a result well, of that. Pro- but wait a minute, who's going to implement uh, uh, monitoring these, first of all, illegal acts? I mean, th- prostitution, drugs, all of this stuff that you're bringing up is not stuff that's legal. It's illegal. Right, I understand that. That needs to change. It needs to be relegalized. And we come out does. against so that, too. And listen, I, I agree with, like, you know, in, in uh, Nevada, there uh, are laws that uh, prostitution. Listen, in regards to prostitution and stuff like that, but I, what I'm not following is is what you guys are saying, that the police are, are I mean, they're only going out there, for example, uh, let's just say my cousin were to get a, a call, okay, that a uh, neighbor has a, a prostitute hanging outside their door, you know, they're the their house there trying to solicit business is it not his job to go and and to by law okay 
not uh, to arrest this person or to whatever has to be done to make sure that that prostitute is no longer in front of, you know, this person's home. You're referring to a streetwalker. You're referring to a street-level right. prostitute. Well, first right. of all, if we re-legalize prostitution, that problem would go away entirely. And if what you're talking about is a property rights violation, if you're talking about trespassing, then you have a real crime. Then you have someone who's actually being harmed. So trespassers is absolutely something the police should be dealing with. But it with. seems to me that you guys are, are, are getting on the case of, of police officers and law enforcement when they're basically they're implementing what's been brought down through legislation. I understand, and that's what happened in Nazi Germany. Tony, you understand yeah, that? But you're, you're getting on the wrong person's side. If you want to legalize dr uh, certain drugs and you want to legalize prostitution and so forth and so on, it seems like you're going after the wrong people. The law enforcement. No, we're going after all of them. What all would happen, them. Tony? What would happen if every cop in America said, I'm not arresting anyone anymore for marijuana possession? Not going to do it. What would happen? Would the politicians be without power at that point? I mean, it's our constitutional right, as far as I can tell. I, I've read the thing several times, and as far, best I can come up with, um, you know, the the government can't make any, uh, the United States government can't make any laws outlawing drugs, and they have. And if the cops just said, you know what, we're not going to do this crap anymore, then that would be fine. The right. same way it would be if the, if the uh, SS officer said, you know what, we're not throwing any more Jews in any more ovens. Yeah, but you guys, I mean, you guys are bringing up some extreme points of view here, as far as I'm concerned. Listen, I have two It's not girls. extreme to say that Americans have the right to smoke marijuana. I mean, honestly, though, I'm, I've got a six-year-old and a four-year-old, mm -hmm. and I want them to grow up uh, the best I can, you know, raise them the best I can. Sure. And I don't want to implement uh, or surround them with prostitution or with drugs. Obviously, you guys have no problem with marijuana use. And, and listen, I'll be the first to say, and I hope none of my relatives are listening to this program. <laughs> yeah, I smoked some weed growing up. Okay, thankfully, thankfully, it did not impact my life. Wait, wait, no, hold on now. Your Thank life. But every, what, what about the people that it does? Thankfully, wait a minute. The marijuana itself didn't impact your life, but you also weren't impacted because you didn't get caught. Now, can you imagine if your six-year-old daughter grows up to become a 16-year-old daughter, and she goes out, and she's hanging out with her friends, and she gets past a marijuana cigarette, and she decides she, she decides to smoke it, maybe making a bad decision. And those are the fears I'm going to have. Okay, as, now as hold on. Now hold on. It's, it's not going to be a big deal if she just smokes the marijuana, and then that's it. But it would be a big deal if she smoked the marijuana and got caught with a joint in her possession by the police, then spent right. several nights in jail with a permanent record, that would affect her life. And that's what Absolutely. we're talking about here, Tony. That's why we're shaming these police officers for going out there and enforcing these bad laws. They're ruining young people's lives in America, and okay. it's absolutely outrageous that this is going listen, on in the so-called land of the free. Listen to me. I, I do agree in, 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 in some aspects that marijuana is, and it's used for, very much for medicinal purposes and so forth, but how about let's go on to say cocaine or sure. crack cocaine? Let's talk about what, meth, heroin. Okay. How about all that? Heroin. What is your stance on that? It's it's here. It's very simple. It's very simple, Tony. I'm going to yeah. lay it out for you, okay? Uh -huh. And then we're going to move on, okay? I'll let you okay. let you respond, and we're going to move on. But I'm going to lay this out. Prohibition doesn't work. It doesn't matter if it's prohibiting alcohol, marijuana, heroin, cocaine, methamphetamine, guns. Anytime the government prohibits something, it never goes away. Didn't we learn our lesson in the early, yeah. you know, the early part of the 20th century? It just goes oh, underground. Listen, it goes I and it's, it's Tony. Slow down. Hang 
on. Let me point this out here. It goes to the underground, the black market, the criminal element. They take control of it. Instead of American businessmen and women making money off of uh, selling these drugs, it's criminals that are doing it. It makes it more dangerous. So if your daughter decides to, let's say she, uh, let's say she decides to try some cocaine or some heroin. I mean, I, I, heaven forbid, I don't recommend it. It's, it's a bad idea. But the fact is, people, because even though it is illegal, people are doing it anyway. So let's presume right. she does decide to do it. And the uh, the black market unscrupulous drug dealer that whipped up that batch of heroin, he made a mistake during his uh, his process and accidentally made it ten times more potent than it normally is. But she doesn't know that, uh, and he didn't know that, so she didn't know. She took the dose, and she overdosed as a result of it. The reason why people overdose on these drugs isn't because the drugs themselves have an inherent overdose factor. It's because of the black market and the dangers that are inherent in black market drug production. So relegalizing these drugs will help keep your daughter safer if she decides to make a bad decision, let alone the fact that she could get arrested and her life ruined on that, on that side of the story. I agree with you in regards to your philosophy. Yes, I actually absolutely agree with you in regards to this. And this is coming from a staunch conservative Republican. I agree with you on that because it's going to get out there anyway, anyhow. And you're probably right. Actually, legalizing these things would actually probably lessen it and the violent crimes would go down. But my, my only point is this, guys, is it seems that you guys are making it out to, for the law enforcement that they're the demons here. It's, it has to start at the top. That's just your impression, Tony. Hey, it's just your impression. We pick on the politicians plenty on this show. It's just the law enforcers are the ones out. Really, they're the ones that are out there enforcing these laws, and they need to stop, which is why we, it's, we suggest that people like your brother go to law enforcement against prohibition. Go to leap.cc. Tell your brother to go there and poke around on that website. Law enforcement well, against listen. prohibition. It's a it's an I organization agree. of thousands of uh, thousands upon thousands of American Canadian law enforcement professionals who have come out against this prohibition and are actively working to end it and re-legalize drugs. Hey, and guys, thank you for the call guys. tonight, Tony. It's been a great conversation. We appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We've got to go to uh, across the pond here in a few moments. Also, hear from you if you make the call. Whatever you want to talk about goes. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, the live Saturday edition. Bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Like the show? Want to help us out a little bit? And become an amplifier. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com to get signed up. It'll cost you all of three bucks a month. Now, it's completely voluntary. You can enjoy the website and all the features there for free. Unlike those other talk shows that want to charge you for accessing their sites, ours, we give it away. So this three bucks a month is above and beyond all that. It's if you want to help Free Talk Live, get on more radio stations. Uh, as we just announced uh, tonight, our new station in Charleston, the number one talk station there, 94.3 WSC. Welcome again to our audience uh, there. And the reason we're there is because of amplifiers. These Free Talk Live listeners that have decided to uh, go above and beyond the call of duty, send us three bucks a month. They get perks, too, like access to the amp-only call-in line, chat room, and forum. All the details are there at amp.freetalklive.com. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles, all within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click Join Us Today. We'll find liberty together. rlc.org. 
Remember that, Tony. You can join the RLC. All right, because we were just on the line with Tony down in Florida, who was telling us that uh, that he was a conservative, and you know, da da da. And uh, you are you consider yourself a conservative? Or I, I at don't least know. You did. I don't know what I consider. My, I'm a libertarian. At one time, you would have called yourself a conservative. I, absolutely. I, I'm I'm economically conservative, but I don't. I, I think that if you are economically conservative, that uh, in fact you can't be spending people's money on failed programs like the drug war. Right. And also, if you're an economic conservative, you believe in free markets and you believe in uh, the ability to do business without government meddling, then you must agree with uh, the per- a person's right to sell a product that could possibly harm another individual. I mean, we sell alcohol, don't we? If alcohol's okay, then let's make the rest of these drugs, let's make them legal again. Let individuals decide for themselves what to put, the, uh, put in their own bodies, because we're not helping drug addicts by locking them in prison cells or forcing them into treatment that they don't want. Okay? 800-259-9231. We go across the pond to Gavin in the UK. You're on Free Talk Live. Gavin. Hi, how are you? All right. What's on your mind, Gavin? Jolly good. Uh, I'm, I'm basically uh, phoning up about the... Um, uh, well, I've been listening to Free Talk Live for the last couple of years, and right. um, increasingly I've uh, you know, felt like wanting to come to New Hampshire to see what, what you fellas are doing across there. But the fact is I, I, don't, I don't particularly want to come to the United States. You know, you talk about secession, and that would be a wonderful thing because I wouldn't then have to be subjected to the fascist regime of the yeah. United States when entering your uh, when entering the country secession cannot happen soon enough i mean because if we can secede in new hampshire and uh, get away from this awful federal government we could open the borders and allow wonderful liberty loving people like you from around the world to come here and how great would our economy be at that point that would be so awesome well, that's right. I mean, it may be a bit cold up there, but, uh, you know, no, no colder than here. Yeah, I was going to say, it's pretty uh, cold there, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I'll give you three examples of, um, of, of, of people I know, um, of, of people who've actually gone to the to United States. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a couple of over 60s. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, they, they, they've been to the U.S. several times before, loved it, think, thought that the people were, were fantastic. But the last time they went, about 18 months ago, they came back, and uh, they, they, they said they will never go again because oh. of the way they were treated by the authorities. Oh, Not just the arriving um, and leaving the country, but actually on the internal flights too. Wow. Um, the, the other thing is, is that there, I know, I know a, a lady who, um, uh, she's got a son. The son's got a father's surname. You know, they've both got different surnames. They arrive in the country. Um, the officials at the airport separated the mother and child. Um, and of course, the mother's panicking. The officials uh, treated her like uh, like Phil, all on the basis that uh, uh, you know they had different surnames, and she had to go through the bureaucracy uh, to, to to prove, in effect, that that um, her son was in fact her son. So that's the second thing. Uh, and the third a third example is I've got a mate who, who's working the cruise ships, uh, and uh, in order to to um, uh, be allowed access to American waters. This mm-hmm. is not even getting off the ship. She has to go to the American embassy in London and, and, and you know, give fingerprints, personal data, and so on and so forth. It's, it's just such a bunch of nonsense. It's just security theater. It doesn't do anything to keep anyone safe, and all it is is forcing people to jump through a bunch of unnecessary hoops, and as you say, it's just ticking people off. It's making people say, screw this, I'm never coming back to America. Gavin, thanks for the call tonight and the stories. Unfortunately, what he's talking about is not unusual these days. Back in 2006, there was a study done that showed that about 33% 
of the people that were international travelers to the United States, when polled, said they were never coming back because of how they were treated by U.S. the U.S. federal government. And bureaucrats. that number in 2006 was down 80, uh, down 20 percent to 80 percent. Right. Uh, from the 2001 number, you know, people are just not coming to the United States because the, our our security is just too heavy. Yeah, if it's too much of a pain, why should they bother? I know that's true. I went to Israel in uh, 1998, and you know the 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 it was the security was tough then, and it's gotten tougher. And you know, it just it makes me uncomfortable to see teenagers standing around with automatic weapons, um, supposed to be protecting us, right. and you know that or me or whatever. And I'm sure that foreigners feel sort of the the same way. I, obviously, there aren't teenagers standing around with automatic weapons, but we. Uh, you and I were in New York City oh six months ago, and we saw some guys that looked like they were ready to invade Poland. Um, they had automatic weapons slung over their their shoulders, and they had helmets on and yeah. and, and dark glasses, and they they you know they looked like military. They were in fact um, New York City cops, from what I understand, but. I don't understand why we're dressing our cops up in these Scary black stuff. soldier outfits. We need to continue with the phone calls. Heidi is on the line. Ladies come first on Free Talk Live, listening on our brand new affiliate WSC in Charleston. Hello, Heidi. You're on Free Talk Live. Hi there. Yeah, I was calling about what you said to Tony. Yeah. And I, I fully have to agree with Tony. The laws are made. The police only enforces them. If you want the they need to stop. To change, if you want the laws to change, in my opinion, you should have to write to your congressman or your senator. Should the police, you're, in your mind, they, Heidi, should the police be able to not enforce the law? Like, should a cop be able to look at a law and say, no, that's okay, I don't want to enforce that? That is what you were saying. No, I'm asking you, should a cop be able to do that? Of course not. I think he has really? a job. So, you know that they do. You know they do arbitrarily do that, right? Let's compare your job. The police have to enforce the law. You entertain. But I have to be on, on Tony's side. So let me see if I've got this clear, Heidi. You're saying the police should be mindless automatons, and they should follow every single order they're given, regardless of its constitutionality, regardless of how it's harming other people's lives. If they've been given an order from the politicians, they should follow it. Let me stick to this. If it's constitutionally, as you just said, I think they have to follow their job. Now, do the cops get to decide what's constitutional? And if a 16-year-old is doing drugs, it is against the law. Right, so we should put that person in jail, right? That person should spend their next five years in jail. You know, in Texas, it's against the no, law. For, hold on, before you go, before you go on, in Texas, it's against the law for anyone to have a pair of pliers in his or her possession. Are you aware of that? It's uh, from strangefacts.com. Um, do you think that people should be thrown in jail for having pliers in Texas? It is the law. You just went from drugs to pliers. I'm just telling you're telling me it's the law, and the law is the law, and the cops have to enforce the law. So I'm asking you, should cops in Texas throw people in jail or give people fines for carrying pliers, ma'am? Not in my opinion. But you just told us the cops should enforce the law regardless of what it says. In Philadelphia, you can't put pretzels in a bag. <laughs> you understand there's a bunch of stupid laws out there, and these marijuana laws are hurting people. And these cops that are enforcing them are hurting those people, too. However, in your neighborhood, if, if everybody in your neighborhood was walking the streets and practicing prostitution, you would be okay with that? 
Well, um, I don't like, as we said, if prostitution was legal, and that's what we would like to see happen, streetwalking would be a thing of the past. Right. The reason why people streetwalk uh, is because they're, they don't have any money and they need the money to buy drugs, which are also illegal, and therefore their price is jacked up by the black market. So in the, in, if we re-legalize drugs and prostitution, the prostitutes will all be inside places doing business indoors where people normally do business of that sort. And uh, the drugs would be cheap, so they wouldn't, have to, uh, they wouldn't even have to work as, uh, as prostitutes in order to afford their drug habits. So really it would reduce all of that. If we would just re-legalize these things and let people to do... Uh, let people interact on a voluntary basis, then all of these problems would go away. You do understand that, right? I tell you one thing. You would move. That I know already. You would move faster than anybody else. You wouldn't even live in that neighborhood. We yeah. Did we... you just hear what we just said? <laughs> I mean... Are you listening? Thanks for the call, Heidi. 800-259-9231. I understand what she's saying, that uh, you know, the, the, the law was passed supposedly by um, representatives of the majority, and, and neither one of those things is true. My law, um, you know, the lawmakers in this area do not represent me, and nope, they, weren't, they, were not represent, they were not elected by a majority. They were elected by a majority of people who went out and voted, I'll give you that, but the most Americans don't go out and vote. They boycott the vote. For whatever reason, maybe it's laziness, maybe it's disgust with the system, but these laws are put in place by our betters, those who know better how we're supposed to live our lives. And I just, I, I think that uh, good people, uh, you know, don't enforce bad laws. Absolutely. 800-259-9231. You can take control. Hour 3 is on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We launch in hour number three of the live Saturday edition of the program, and you can bring up anything via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there, we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Let's roll right into your phone calls this hour and start things with Joe in Florida, listening on WFTL. Hey, Joe. Hey. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Um, I just wanted to comment on the illegal drug issue. Sure. Okay. And prostitution. By all sure. means. Yes. Um, well, the, I, where I agree with the, uh, the prostitution and especially the marijuana, the, the drain that that puts on law enforcement and correction resources, yeah. it's just, it doesn't justify it. You guys could be out at solving real crimes. Exactly. But I've researched the heroin, cocaine, and methadone situation, and there's actually a history that you can, you can fall back on in the early or the late 1800s, early 1900s, those drugs were actually legal in this country. You could go to Montgomery Wards or yep. Sears and buy a syringe. They had kits. Sure. Yep. You could get laudanum, but, laudanum uh, which was a tincture of opium and, uh, and whiskey. Um, you could get all kinds of uh, Buy a opiates. bottle full of heroin if you yep, wanted to. you could. Yes, but I, I, and I don't actually recall the, what the downside was. But I think it was substantial enough to where if you reviewed it, you would see that those are a few drugs that you probably shouldn't indulge in. 
Oh, oh I, I would totally and agree that you, you shouldn't should. do heroin. No, nobody on this show has ever said, hey, go out and do some heroin tonight. That's a terrible idea. These are dangerous drugs. However, our point is they're made more dangerous by the fact they're prohibited and the fact that an individual will might end up spending years in prison as a result of use or possession or dealing these drugs means that it's even more dangerous. So it's really the results of the war on drugs that are uh, that are really the more da- even more dangerous than the drugs themselves. So... I, I don't recommend that people do these things, but what we understand is that they're going to do them anyway. Some people are. And that we're not going to improve yes. their lives by forcing them into treatment they don't want or forcing them into a jail cell, which is going to make it difficult for them to get another job when they get out. And can you imagine? You get caught for having a little heroin on you, you go to jail, and then you can't ever get a job again, so you spiral down into even more depression, you start using again. I mean, really, the system that we have in place today, it just hurts people. Um, yeah, it's not... I would consider it the lesser, probably, of the the two evils, where I think that drug dealers, if you're dealing it, that's a different issue. Personal use of any drug, it's just not, it's not something law enforcement should be involved in, and I agree. I would agree with you that drug dealers are usually very unsavory folks, Um, you know, but Let's just, that's to put it mildly. But you know that if we made drugs legal, that the drug dealers would go away in the same way that we don't have moonshine runners anymore either. When moonshine was illegal, you had guys with 500 gallon tanks running shine from, uh, you know, backwoods Arkansas down to Dallas and, and those kind of things. But those guys are com- almost completely gone, nearly eradicated. And the reason is, is because we made liquor legal. Right, there's no more black market profit in it anymore, and so therefore it's uh, it's handled by people in the, the legitimate marketplace. Uh, I think that heroin users should be able to go and buy their heroin at CVS or Walgreens uh, instead of having like to, they used to slink around in the darkness and uh, you know deal with some unscrupulous street dealer. In fact, you know what? If uh, uh, Joe, I'm, I'm glad you're so open-minded on this, uh, and I, I know there are a lot of other cops that are like you out there. Uh, in, in fact, if we were to re-legalize these drugs and also at the same time re legalize things like gambling and prostitution, then the gangsters wouldn't have anything to deal in. I mean, it's it's prohibition that gives gang members and gangs and the mafia their profits because they're dealing in black market prohibited products. If all those products were on the, the legitimate marketplace again, then the gangs would be out of business. I guess they could deal in, in guns, but we should re-legalize those too. Yeah, the, the and I guess what I'm trying to point out is like, Britney Spears, for instance. Yeah, she's a mess. Her life is just a mess. Mm-hmm. And it involves illegal substances. We think. Part, part we assume. Now, well, she yeah. could very well. You can mess your life up with liquor. You can do it quick. Yes, um, of course. And, and it's quite possible that she's doing that. on this country, you know, and it's legal. I've, never, I've yet to have to go to someone's house or to a nightclub and drag somebody off to jail that's belligerent and going crazy. Because they smoked a doobie. There you, you know go. what I'm saying? You say, are you a but, member of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition? No. Have you heard of them? No, not until uh, I heard your guys' show. Well, I highly recommend that you, uh, when, you take a, when you have a moment, go online and go to leap.cc, L-E-A-P dot C-C. There aren't very many. You're a current police officer, right? Yes. Okay, there aren't very many 
law enforcement officers or Leos that are currently employed that are members of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Well, that are out, but they have this anonymous membership, too, that one Right. Yeah, you can join anonymously if you're concerned that you might get retaliation from your superiors uh, as a result of joining an organization like that. But it's a wonderful organization of thousands of former law enforcement officials. In fact, we've actually got a guy here in New Hampshire. His name's Brad Jardis. He's been a, uh, a Leo for nine years, and he's a, he, he's a street-level cop. Uh, and and he has he's the only one in the entire country he's the only cop who has actually had the courage to come out and stand up and say that he is against prohibition and joined this organization he's one of their speakers and sure enough as a result the chiefs in his area have have tried to uh, to get him fired he has yet to uh, been able to, they have yet to been successful at that so there's a lot of uh, political pressure and I understand that but do us a favor or do yourself a favor rather and look into law enforcement against prohibition I think you'll find that they're a great group doing great work. Uh, to end prohibition in this country. And, Joe, thanks for your call tonight. We appreciate Wait, it. One more, oh, point, yeah, sure. one more point I want to make. Yeah. How would you deal with, and here's something that I, I always wondered if I thought that drugs were going to be legal. My brother lives in California, and yeah. marijuana is just like almost completely legal. Um, the, how would you deal with if you go to your doctor and you're at the receptionist's desk and she's high on heroin? It almost, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, it, well, that would like be something the doctor should deal with, not uh, Right. Not I mean, you know, I, I have a business here, and if my employees uh, decided to come to work high and were therefore unproductive, um, you know, I, I'm, what this, I'm going to do the same thing I'm going to do with any unproductive employee. I'm going to talk to them, I'm, um, you know, and then after that, if it continues, I'm going to discipline them, and, and, and then after that, I'm going to fire them. Right. If she came to work drunk, you'd handle it in the exact same way. So but there you the, go. Then you're right, back, you're right back to the same thing when a cop arrests somebody for being, you know, using or possessing. No, it's not the same. Because, right. because it's a voluntary association. Right. It's not. a voluntary association. That person can choose whether or not to come to work for me. I can choose whether or not to have that person there. Um, you know, yeah, it's a reference on their, um, you know, it's a reference, but the reference only counts if somebody calls me and asks me, if they put me down as a reference. They can do all kinds of things on their resumes. It, it's a mistake. She could have said she was in a convent for the last year or whatever. Right. Yeah. It, it's certainly a mistake, and plenty of people make mistakes in the real world. It's just they don't have to pay for those mistakes by spending time in prison, and that would make things a whole lot worse. She could always get another job, and there are plenty of people that make mistakes and they come to work drunk or they come to work stoned. They get caught, and they should be. They should get in trouble for those things, and let the marketplace handle that, not the police. Thanks for the call tonight, dude. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. We continue with Ziggy in the UK. Ziggy on the Hi, Ampli. Hi, guys. Hey. Um, I want to talk tonight about being uh, pragmatic, about being a libertarian. Okay, okay sure. pragmatic libertarianism. Yeah, well, I um, this is uh, this might shock Mark, but um, I've decided for liberty I'm going to stop wearing a dress. You're going to stop wearing a dress for liberty? <laughs> yes. Well, I, I, I can't I, believe I, that. Now, how is that going to help? Well, it's going to help. If you, if basically, I, I met uh, one of the, the candidates who was running for the Liberal Democrat leadership last year, and I was wearing a dress. Mm. And he just looked at me as if to say, I can't figure you out, dude. <laughs> and it's I, a barrier. I don't wonder. Yeah, it's, it's a barrier, basically. If you're trying to sell a message, it's actually good to try and fit in. Unfortunately, you do have to do that in the world of politics. There was a guy in uh, California who's a libertarian that apparently ran for office, and he apparently had a habit of dressing as a druid. So he would have, like, you know, one of those I, robes I know, on. I know a transvestite uh, uh, a candidate in uh, Kansas. Yeah. It's just, uh, it doesn't work that well when... <laughs> uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, I would, love, I would love people to be able to be free, uh, you know, to have free expression. 
Um, and that is, you know, that is what I'm trying to work for. But if you're going to, you know, have to change the system um, from within the system, you have to be the, like the system, if you know what I mean. Unfortunately, that is the case. Ziggy, glad the reason I shave. decided to make that move. Uh, I don't think there's something necessarily wrong with dressing down a little bit. I think that could be okay. For instance, yeah. if I were to do something like that, I'd never be caught dead in a tux or whatever, a suit and tie. I don't even own those things. But I don't think you can look, I don't think it necessarily looks bad in a button-up shirt and some, some slacks. Ziggy, thanks for the call tonight, as That's always. No 800-259-9231. So I think there's some level of dressing down, but coming to uh, you know speak and address as a man, that's going to throw some people off their game. The show is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is the live Saturday edition, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark, 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features there, we give away live streams included, broadband, dial-up, two sizes to fit virtually any internet connection. Head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy on us. That's freetalklive.com. And now you can save time and money on common legal matters created by top attorneys. LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or living trust in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. We continue with your phone calls, and we go to Paula in Florida. Paula, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi. Good evening, hon. Hey, Paula. Uh, I was listening about this gentleman and what you were saying about the, you know, the corruption of our police department. It's happening here in Florida. It's, it's happening everywhere. Yeah, and I mean, something happened to me. I mean, I did nothing. This guy, this police officer, just made up this stuff. I go there to pay the fine uh, or just pay the ticket, and he had seventeen dollars and fifty cents written on the back of it. They charged me a hundred seventy-nine dollars, and oh. I mean, it never even went to court. Wow. What was the ticket and for? Uh, he he was trying to say, this is what happened. I was on a street. I was going up, up this little street, and uh, there's a stop sign there. And my, my car and me, we were right there. We were sitting there. All of a sudden, I see this officer coming up, and, you know, he had his you know lights going all this. We thought he was going to an emergency, yeah. you know? So we both turned. He went one way. I went the other, and I had to turn that way anyway to go pick up my son right across the road. And so anyway, um, I went down this little dirt little road or gravel little road for just a short piece, and then it was a stop. So I stopped there, then went across the road, picked up my son. He follows me in there. My son caught him lying. He saw everything. And he tried to say that, oh, that I didn't stop the stop sign. Then he, when he couldn't get that, then he tried to say I was speeding. You didn't even have time to even speed on that little thing. Anyway. Oh, man. You know, Paula, yeah. this, this happens so often that the I know. police I know. are out I know. there allegedly protecting and serving, but what yeah. they seem to be doing is just serving us with traffic citations yeah. uh, and not and, actually keeping the, us but safe. But then the courthouse rips you off. And so I called one of the judges because he's my family, so I called him and let him know what was going on up there. Hmm. And so then I called um, our county, uh, our state representative, he's my cousin, and I called him, and I called Senator Lynn and let her know what well, was going on. I'm glad on. you're making all those calls. But anyway, there's some gonna... other things, too, that are uh, very important. Uh, they finally started putting Ron Paul on TV. I called C-SPAN the other day, and I told him what the FBI told me. And so all of a sudden today, they showed a complete talk. Wait a minute, had. Paul. Are you telling me that C-SPAN did a special on Ron Paul simply yeah, because today. you made a phone call? I don't know why. All you of a are the most influential woman in well, America. Anyway, I told him I told him what was going on. I said, everybody knows about the, about the voter fraud. And I said, it's not only you. I said, it's CNN. It's Fox News. And I said, the FBI is investigating. And I said, now, if y'all want to get in trouble, I said, just keep up what you're doing. I said, you're all going to end up in trouble. You know what I need to do, Mark? I need to hire Paula for the Affiliate Relations Department of Free Talk. <laughs> She'll get people but to sign anyway, up. But uh, anyway, there's something else that came out very, very important. That everybody all right, this hear. is it, Paula. Go ahead. Okay. Um, the other night, this came out uh, from Sean David Morton. Anyway, it came on Coast to Coast. Oh, there that's is a prof- 
there is a prophecy that got lost that we didn't know about. And no. so now we understand what we're going through. This prophecy told about a blue star hmm. that appears in the sky. And it happens when the planets line up in a certain direction, like Mars and Jupiter right now are in line with each other. You know this what? Thing, I know exactly what happens when uh, the planets line okay, up in that direction. What happens is, we thank you for the call, and we go to Tom in New Jersey. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. The, uh, the stars are in my favor this they evening. They sure are, Tom. What's on your mind, Tom? <laughs> I, uh, well, number one, I just wanted to uh, piggyback Paul's comment about uh, cops writing tickets. I, I'm fond of saying, referring to them as mobile tax collectors. Right, there you they're, go. They're, they're armed. Uh, they're armed uh, fundraisers. Revenue agents. Exactly. Yeah. To, to unnerve and collect is their new motto. You know, and I think that police would really, really much rather be uh, keeping, uh, you know, people safe. They'd they'd rather be out there uh, investigating crimes in the community. But you know, this is what they're assigned to do. And, and what else can they sort of do you know they, they they're told to go out and collect money on tickets and we've read story after story on this uh, on the show about uh, quotas and um, the way cops are incentivized and told to get uh, tickets and that kind of thing Mark, it's not quotas it's the station average remember that yeah the uh, there was I think it was the Pennsylvania State Police. They have no, they don't call them quotas. They call them the station average. And if the uh, the state police officer is above the average, then he gets a bonus. Uh, as far, this is average number of tickets they write within I think it's a week week's time, uh, maybe monthly. But anyway, you get the point. If you're below the average, then they're you know then they don't no give bonus you any, for you. Well, they don't give you overtime. You don't have any chance at making any extra money. And so that's the way they implement quotas in in many areas. What's amazing is that there's really no, uh, you know, difference mechanically between the cop pulling someone over, uh, demanding money and sticking that money in their pocket, than uh, the current system. Other than that, there are just a few proxies in between that process. I mean, yeah. they, they get half their budget from uh, writing those tickets, so there's just some paperwork to be filed, but it ends up with the same net result. Yeah, you know, it's a little dirtier the idea that a uh, cop, uh, you know, might take the the money for himself instead of giving it to the police department. But really, what's the end result? You know, the police department uses it to what? Collect more, um, you know, buy more equipment. You know, more of these, more on these violations and yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, I'm not saying that I want people careening all over the place. Uh, people that are driving unsafely, and unfortunately, well, driving dangerously, that's, is... driving un- uh, dangerously is subjective, and that's that's difficult. Not stopping for a stop sign is objective they did not stop the car did not rock backwards you know that that whole thing there's nothing inherently dangerous about that i mean many of these stop signs should absolutely be yanked up and there's either eliminated entirely or replaced with yield signs at the very least and that would go a long way to uh, to making driving easier. Of course, that would also require the police to go and investigate real crimes with their time instead of just uh, setting up stop sign stinks. Tom, thanks for the call tonight. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. We go to Bill in Oklahoma. Bill, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Yes, guys. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for being um, here. What's on your mind? Well, um, it amazes me how I learn new stuff every time I listen to this show. Like, for instance, I could have sworn that the federal... Election Commission invests, investigates voter fraud, not the FBI, but I could be wrong. Again, it's just something new that I learned by listening to the show, but that's not why I called. <laughs> uh, today, we're uh, uh, talking about sports and the government's uh, intervention in, uh, in that activity, and I guess you were wanting to know why there was an antitrust law with the NFL. Well, the, the caller said that there was an exemption. Apparently, the federal there government had granted the NFL an exemption from the antitrust law. Yes, and I can, I can give you some uh, backdate information on that. Tell me, basically, please. 
basically what has happened was uh, if uh, you follow sports, uh, the actual leagues do not own the individual teams. Uh, there's usually a third party that's, that's gone out and bought these teams, and they sure. run the show. Okay, since the NFL does not have direct control over these teams, uh, the owners can pick up these teams, in theory, and move them anywhere they want to. The, they want to take them to, like, say, for instance, uh, you guys had a Jacksonville team, or you still do have a Jacksonville team. Uh, that, for whatever reason, that that uh, that guy who owns that that group could take them and move them to Boise, Idaho, mm-hmm. if you so choose to. Well, the NFL wanted to bar that kind of practice from happening because they have a vested interest in where these teams play. You don't want to take a, a, a team out of a major market area and put them in, in a you know, small town USA, and they're, they're not going to get the, 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 the fruits of that labor because the market's smaller. Well, there was a case involving the Raiders, and this was back in the 90s. Uh, uh, he went from LA, uh, from Oakland to LA, back to Oakland, okay. and it started a, a whole mess. And I know we have a commercial coming up, so I'll, I'll just hold on. We will find out the rest of the story here in moments. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Plenty of time for your calls as well about whatever's on your mind, and if we have a chance, we'll sneak in a corrupt cop story or two. Since we were on the subject tonight, it is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, live Saturday edition. Take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it is Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Place to go, features for free, including the bulletin board system. Get interactive with over 300,000 posts, serious issues, fun stuff. You'll find it all, and it's all completely free. bbs.freetalklive.com. Get you right to it. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. The silver Liberty dollar is as beautiful as the ideals it represents. It's America's second most popular currency with over 20 million Liberty dollars in circulation, with 100,000 people, or more actually, using it on a daily basis. Go to LibertyDollar.org. Stop using their money and start using the Liberty dollar. Return America to value one dollar at a time. That's LibertyDollar.org. As we continue, Bill is on the line in Oklahoma. You were explaining to us, because earlier, uh, I think it was last night or earlier this week, uh, we were talking with a uh, caller about this uh, NFL situation where apparently the uh, the government is now threatening the NFL with possible, uh, what, a subpoena, bringing them in over this whole Patriots taping situation. And uh, somebody, the caller brought up the fact that apparently the NFL has an exemption from the antitrust law, and you were beginning to explain that by yeah, talking about... Why they about, even need an exemption from the antitrust yeah, law. Yeah, how that all came about by talking about the Raiders and how they wanted to move, or how they were moving their team back and forth, and that was where you left off. So go ahead. Yes, um, and it's going to tie in in just a minute. You'll see where I'm going with this. Uh, the uh, the uh, owner of the Raiders, who happens to be Al Davis, was moving uh, the team back and forth. Uh, the NFL was highly against that. They tried. They filed an injunction, and this went to court. Blah blah blah. This led to an antitrust case that was filed uh, by the Raiders organization uh, to the NFL. What's What's interesting here, though, is since Al Davis owns the Raiders, he does not have to uh, have 
the uh, Raiders play in the NFL. If he wanted to, he right. could take his team and move them to to the CFL up north. Or you know, or you you mentioned arena football. You mentioned uh, some other XFL. Uh, yeah, there's been all USFL. He could start his ones. own league if he wanted to. So was the lawsuit suggesting that the NFL was a monopoly? Um, that was what uh, that was what the Raiders were claiming that, uh, that they were a monopoly. Before they could get this heard uh, in front of a, mag- a magistrate, the NFL, the the uh, commissioner at the time, I don't, it wasn't Tegla, but it was somebody else, went uh, behind, uh, kind of went the back door, uh, around the back door, greased some politicians, and said, okay, we need an exception, exemption hmm. from antitrust suits because we don't want this kind of thing from happening, and that's how it was granted. There you unfortunately, go. Unfortunately, of course, uh, what the NFL didn't know was that just gave the uh, the government full reign to do investigations at a whim. Yeah, well, they, they made their bed. They got in bed with the government. They they tried to get themselves exempt from uh, lawsuits. You know that they're that, that people should be able to bring people should be able to bring grievances up in court. They tried to get this uh, you know little gold star that protects them from it. And as far as I'm concerned, they got what they um, deserve. Well, now of course, and Bill, thank you for the call tonight and the story. Uh, of course, we don't think this antitrust situation should even exist. The government no. should completely get out of regulating the uh, the marketplace. In fact. I- Wish they'd disappear altogether, but that's another story. Uh, but but in the free marketplace, there is no way that a monopoly can exist because at any time in a free marketplace where you don't have to ask mommy government for permission to do business, you just start a business. So you want to start your own football league, you just do it. Uh, so that wouldn't even be an issue in a in a true free market world. But you're right, Mark. Uh, and whenever you get into bed with the government, whatever the issue is, whether it be for some business perk or whether it be because you want to pass some law to control someone's behavior, what you have to understand, this is an important axiom to understand and to really internalize, is that when you try to control someone else, you inevitably will end up finding yourself controlled. It's it's true when and when dealing with the government that's for sure and that's it's really true the only in general that's it's really the only kind of control that you can exercise you can you can sort of manipulate but that's not really control right so it's hard to feel sorry for the people in the NFL now that the government's jumping down their throat because they didn't have to uh, get in that little deal they didn't have to go and look for their government's protection because that's how the government works one person gets in control of it and they feel great because hey there's benefits and perks coming their way they've got the politicians in their pocket and they're getting lined they're you know they're lining their pocket with sweet government contracts or in this case immunity from prosecution or whatever the perk is and then all of a sudden someone else gets in charge of the government decides to change how things are being done and then they go after that individual who was getting the perks so it never lasts forever uh, the the, uh, the gun of government, if you will, always passes from group to group, from hand to hand, from uh, different interest group to different interest group, and it's constantly being used against one group, and then that group tries to wrest control of uh, the government and use it against the group that used it against them, and it's just this this ongoing cycle of insane violence, and we're all we're we're all pit against one another with this government around, with this powerful violent tool known as government sitting out there that you that many people believe they can use to uh, better their lives and uh, and uh, you know control the people they want to control, but it never ends up working out the way you planned it, never, because it's government, and government is force, and force always has unintended consequences. We continue with your phone calls. Let's talk to Matt in Illinois on the amp line. Hey Matt. Hey guys, how you doing? Tonight? What's on your mind? Um, well, since you guys were talking about police, I thought I'd go into a, a little bit more of the whole system. All right, sure. Uh, I have a friend up here whose uh, son 
was uh, involved in an accident, a car accident, pretty bad. Mm. Hurt a woman pretty nasty. And um, he had a marijuana pipe in his car. Uh-oh. Now, he hadn't smoked for like three days, but when they took him into the hospital, they took his blood, mm. and they found marijuana in his system. So they charged him with DUI. Oh, right. Now, it'll it'll stay in your system up to 30 days, depending on your uh, body fat composition. Uh, you know, so this is this is not really fair. Nope. There's there's a difference between having marijuana in your system um, and being high. Your cells release, uh, you know, releasing them and being high. Right. And um and they know that. And this this goes this, what I'm going to say goes kind of beyond the whole whether or not that's fair. I agree with you. Um I was hoping that my friend's son would would fight this in court and um the long and short of it, he's not going to. What do they do? Offer him a deal? Yeah. And and here's the reason it was taken, and it's, it gets really complicated. Um, but I actually wanted to see what you guys thought about this. Okay. What happened was um, a while back before uh, my friend's son uh, was, was involved in his accident, there was another kid, a 17-year-old kid, who was drunk in the same area, got into an accident, and uh, killed somebody. Mm-hmm. And so this kid went to trial, and uh, he was in front of a judge that was known to be a lenient judge. And the judge didn't see any reason why this kid um, should have his entire life thrown away. And his kid was only 17 when this happened. So he gave him six months in prison and, um, you know, the, the like five years probation, something like that, with all the... Uh, the drug rehabs and everything else. Okay. And the community went nuts about that. The papers were were berating this judge. Uh, people were mad about it. The, they wanted blood. Right. The kid's father who died was understandably upset. But to me, it sounded more like this was not justice so much as these people wanting to be vengeful. Mm-hmm. Sure. So when all this happened... Now, this is going on while this other kid's going through the same kind of deal, thinking about him going to to uh, court. And so there's a lot of pressure on these judges to sentence to, to, oh, for harsher man. sentences. So he was looking at if he was, goes to trial and he, um, he loses, he's looking at 3 to 14 years in prison. Mm. For, um, for vehicular manslaughter? No, uh, no, he didn't kill anybody. This is my friend's son. Oh, okay, I see. This is for the DUI, the DUI charge. Just a DUI, thir- a, three a years in prison. Charge because of the the injuries to this woman that was mm. driving the other car were pretty bad. Okay, so he injured somebody. Gotcha. Right. So that's that's why. And you know, when you get into an uh, well, there's more to his story here. I, okay, I want I want to hear it here in a moment. You, you told us it's three to fourteen years. That's if he if he took it to trial, but they gave him a. Deal, and we'll find out what that was here right. in moments. Hang on, 800-259-9231, and maybe enough time for your call as well, if you make it. This is a live Saturday edition of Free Talk Live. The toll-free number, SACL CAI toll-free line is 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, live Saturday edition. You bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. Even in these remaining moments, it is Ian here with you. And Mark, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free. 
Now, if you like the show and you want to help us out and you want to look good at the same time, go shopping at the Free Talk Live store. Just head over to store.freetalklive.com. Got great quality Free Talk Live branded merchandise, uh, as well as some other things that don't even have our logo. We've got the original Free Talk Live created logo called the uh, the Free Marketeer logo that we put on both a flag and a T-shirt. You can get those. They're exclusive Free Talk Live only products. Uh, that is, again, at store.freetalklive.com. Plus, while you're there, read about our special offer that uh, will explain to you how you can get a copy of Barry Cooper's Never Get Busted DVD absolutely free. Head over to store.freetalklive.com as we continue. Matt in Illinois, who is telling us a story about, uh, this is a a friend of yours, son of a friend of yours? Yes. Who was uh, driving, got into an accident, had apparently smoked some marijuana three days earlier, and when they tested his blood in the hospital, they, of course, found the uh, the remnants of uh, the marijuana there, and that was enough for the police to charge him with a DUI, which, of course, anybody that knows anything about marijuana knows it doesn't affect you for more than a few hours, uh, and so three days later would certainly not have been uh, under the influence of anything, but that's just the way the law is, and it's absolutely asinine. But as a result, he's facing up to three years, or three to 14 years, you said, in prison, over this uh, this particular case where the other driver was, was obviously uh, harmed in some way from this car accident. But they made him a deal, Matt, and what was that? Right, and um, the deal was, the, the last deal that they're offering was 120 days in prison, uh, $50,000 in restitution, um, and probation time, I think three years, uh, which is, he's going to take, I mean, the kid's afraid, and, uh, you know, I, I kind of don't blame him. Well, I, I, I don't blame him either. Um, I was in prison uh, for for nine years, and I met guys that had uh, 10-year sentences, five-year sentences, all kinds of, uh, you know, time in that area for vehicular manslaughter. And things can happen. You know, you, you make a bad choice in uh, going out there and drinking and driving. And, you know, when you make bad choices and people get hurt, you got to pay the price. And, unfortunately, that's the way the price is these days. It's jail time so matt do you have any other thoughts for us um no i just kind of wanted to um get that story off my chest my friend was confiding in me and Mm -hmm. i thought you guys would be uh, a sympathetic ear yeah Yeah. um thanks for the call tonight dude we appreciate it 800-259-9231 it happens so often but in many times it's in cases where there isn't a victim and that's when it's so outrageous uh in, in in drug cases for instance they will charge the individual with all kinds of different things They'll throw a whole bunch of charges at you, mm-hmm. and then they'll say, but we'll give you a deal. We'll knock off four out of those five charges, and you'll only have to spend six months in a jail cell or whatever the uh, the deal is. And so most people, they feel like, wow, okay, yeah, that sounds better than five years, so I'll go ahead and take it. But what they don't understand is that there's a good chance that if they had actually taken it to trial, they could have won. If you don't, if you take the deal, you have a zero percent chance of ever winning the case. You're, you're admitting guilt, and therefore, if the government has botched up their case, which they're bureaucrats, they're inefficient, they're kind of slow, they're not so good at their job, so there's a chance that they botched up their case. Of course, you can always persuade, try to persuade the jury to nullify if you want to take that particular route. There are different things you can do in the courtroom to actually attempt to win your case. But in, many, in uh, you know, 99% of uh, drug cases and other cases where there's no victim, many of these people will just take the plea bargain. And as a result, the prosecutor doesn't have to do any work. The police don't have to do any extra work. Nobody, none of the government people have to work any harder. 
to actually try to convict you in that case. And if more people who are convicted of these consensual crimes that we're talking about, whether they be uh, marijuana possession or prostitution or gambling, if more people would actually take it to trial, yes, obviously you would risk more time if you were convicted. But if more people would take it to trial, the system would be burdened. The system wouldn't be able to handle it. If you've ever sat in on, a, on an arraignment, if you've ever gone in like on a Monday morning and sat in on a uh, you know misdemeanor court where they're arraigning cases, it's just case after case of you know marijuana possession, little cocaine possession, just these consensual crimes where no one's gotten hurt. If all those people took their cases to trial, there'd be no way anyone could ever get a speedy trial because there'd be just so damn many of them, and maybe that would encourage the system to change. Maybe. It's an idea, but no one does it. Very, very. I, I think that plea bargaining, plea, plea bargaining is uh, it, it, it's just bad. If someone is, if someone is guilty and um, they have done something to harm someone, then they should be punished for that. Mm. Now, you know, I'm not sure that I agree with our current criminal justice system. I, I, I've had a lot of experience with it. I think that uh, we would be far better off if the people that were hurt were compensated. Restitution. Yeah, there's just not a lot of that going on, unfortunately. But um, if 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 somebody hurts someone, they should be punished, and they should be punished to the full extent of the law. They shouldn't be able to plea out to some lesser charge that they didn't commit. But that means the government bureaucrats have to do work, Mark, and prove their case. Yeah. And they don't want it, to do that. It would mean that. They'd rather eat donuts. Let's continue with your calls. Go to Sweden and talk to Frederick. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Hello. Frederick. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Yay. Uh, well, uh, I'm going to want to talk about uh, Swedish migration to the U.S. Okay, sure. Um, during the 1800s and 1900s, approximately one million Swedes migrated to America due to uh, the social conservatism of uh, the monarchy. Well, uh, I'm kind of fed up with the, the socialist politics of Sweden, so I'm thinking, what would happen if uh, I or uh, some of my friends were to migrate to the U.S.? Uh, and uh, don't uh, have any contact with the U.S. authorities. Don't get any ID cards or anything. Just move uh, up to New Hampshire and, uh, well, I think you get my... Yeah, yeah, it could be done. I like the idea, but at the same time, you have to understand that life would be fairly difficult for you. Uh, obviously, driving is going to be an issue if you get pulled over. That's going to be problematic. Uh, of course, uh, working right. You is... need a, you need a driver's license, and the way to get a driver's license is to go through the uh, you know the the Department of Motor Vehicles, and you can't really do that if you haven't told the government that you're but here. But there are some there are some places like uh, you know if you live in a city, you could walk to work, you could bike to work. It's not necessary to have a car, so you could get away with that. Yeah. Uh, but then again, finding work is going to be probably the most tricky aspect of it. Uh, odds are good you'll be able to find someone to to you know to rent you a room or something like that. So a place to stay would probably be uh, doable. But finding a job that would be something that you would want to do and continue doing might be tricky. Of course, if you're entrepreneurial-minded and are willing to work for yourself, that could be helpful in that if you can go and you know do, uh, I don't know what you like to do, what is it that you're uh, an expert at? Um, I'm uh, currently uh, studying computer uh, science at uh, Chalmers in Gothenburg. So I basically do can do all my work on the internet, so it doesn't matter where, where I'm that's good. Okay. Yeah. Well, then that's definitely an option. I mean, the more portable your job is, the better. The less you have to rely on an employer, the better. Uh, you know, in finding a legitimate company to work for in America, the better. So, if you can, if you can live in the underground economy, 
then I say go for it, Frederick. Yeah, exactly. That, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, uh, it doesn't. Well, yeah, I think uh, New Hampshire sounds like a great idea with the, the free state project and everything. But uh, um, well, I think you talked about agorism, I think, uh, a while back. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's the marketplace you're working. At. Agorism basically encourages black market activities and, and working in the underground economy and, and not paying taxes and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. I I uh, I, uh, I think that idea is uh, very good because well, not not really communicating with the government and uh, just uh, be under the radar and. Uh, I can I can understand uh, why you would want to be you know uh, you know not report to the government and and that kind of thing um, you know I I sort of believe that we should have a small government and my question to you is this Frederick if if the United States immigration process was not nearly as arduous as it is currently what if it was just say um, you know you you spend uh, like three days. You have to get checked out, quarantined, or you know, checked out by a doctor or something like that. Um, if you've got some kind of disease, they might quarantine you for a few days, um, and then you know, decide what to do with you. But if you oh, just that sounds like fun. If you just had to get checked out by a doctor, <laughs> if the only thing you had to do is get checked out by a doctor and sort of put your name on a line, would you be willing to do that? Uh, no. Okay. I, I think that my 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 goal uh, is to uh, disappear from public records. Entirely. Awesome. I don't. I don't think that uh, anyone should have any business with my uh, my private life. I, I now, s- why do you want to disappear from uh, public records? Wrong People question, out there are Wrong question to ask because we're almost out of time. But Frederick, I uh, fully support what you're doing. Uh, dropping out of the system. I, I wish more people would uh, would have the courage to do it. It's not an easy thing, especially when you you know if you want a bank account, that's not going to be doable. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, essentially things you'll have to give up in order to make that happen. But if you're willing to do all that, it certainly would be an interesting and adventurous lifestyle. Thanks for the call tonight, dude. It has been Ian here with you. And Mark. We will return Monday night. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. And I wish you a safe and happy weekend. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 